And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. Once we started sculpting him, we got discovered, like, ridiculously quickly. I mean, we got really lucky with who saw our stuff and when they saw it. The first year at Comic-Con was 1991. And it was crazy because when we opened the cab door, the first person we saw was Stan Lee. So our first year. We knew we were here. Yeah, he was outside on the sidewalk walking by. So we were happy with that, and we felt like we were getting off to a good start. We got started because of this book called Creature Court. That was a revelation to us that instead of an action figure or a silly little statue, it could be like art. When we were 15, the first things we were making were like paper mache with paper and tape and two legs and a tail so they would all stand up, you know, (laughs) a little tripod situation. Jared and I didn't know what we were doing. No one would tell you and we like basically screwed up in every way you could screw up along the way and now people come to us and ask how we're doing it which is bizarre you know just how we've eventually found what we were comfortable with we worship a, like Rodan and that kind of rawness and that kind of strength in sculptures you know sometimes my brother says we want it to look like the sculptor just got up and walked away from the piece for a second and you're seeing it. Once we start smoothing it down or sanding it down or polishing it down, it loses something. We've been told that so many times that we tend to believe it. I mean, some people love that and some people don't, but that's how we see things. That's how we want to see art. We were comic book nerds and now we're sculpting the Hulk. You know what I mean? That's a different thing. And we're living the dream. Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. And you are here for episode 148, and we got guests. Yes, we do. Not one, two. That's right. Uh, the Shiplet Brothers, Brandon and Jared. These guys are sculptors that I first saw at San Diego Comic Con back in the 90s. Wow. Um, as I recall, and I'm old, so the memory fails, um, we did a piece on you guys in Carpenoctum, yeah? Like a pictorial? Oh, yeah. There we That's go. That's cool. All right. So, again, uh, their work is amazing. Um, go online to to their website and uh, uh, just peruse it. It is it's jaw dropping. Yeah, it the, really. The is. work that you guys do is phenomenal. It's crazy. Uh, to to give folks who aren't familiar with your work a context, and and I'm going to ask you a question in in reference to this. A lot of time, I, I've seen it a couple of times where people are like, these guys are the Frazetta of sculpting. Right. Wow, thanks. That's fair. Right. Does that... Well, it's totally it's not too much. fair. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, it's hard to... You can't live up to that. So yeah. that's the... Uh, it's awesome to hear, but then when you try to get to work, it's like, oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah right? When you're sculpting on a piece, the problem is in the middle of the night when you're sculpting and you look at it and you're like, is this... Am I Frazetta? No, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not anywhere near that level. We Obviously, he's like a... a absolutely foundational figure for us, you know, hugely influential to everything we do. And, um, but to, so that when people see that through our work, we kind of appreciate that, you know, we haven't done a lot of straight up Frank Frazetta pieces, but the fact that people see that, uh, that, that through line is kind of cool to us. Absolutely. 
there's a vibe there, I think. Yeah. There, there, there's, it, it, and it has to do with these weird, not weird, but um, these subtle things like the posturing of the figure. Sure. So much of that stuff that I see in your work. It's a lot that of the, same sort of heroic, epic. I see that pyramid composition a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. have, you know, that, the, yeah. The, yeah at, and I think that, um, I think that um, uh, something that, that strikes me is one thing that I loved about Frazetta is that his stuff was, um, we've talked about it before, not ethereal, but, but dreamlike. I mean, it's realism, mm-hmm. but it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like, I don't get know. It. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I see that in in your guys's work. It's like so you know, uh, uninformed people say, "Well, it's unfinished." And it's, no, right. it's not. It's, yeah. it, can you talk to that for a second? Absolutely. You know, um, I think when you're talking about Frazetta specifically, a lot of people have sculpted their versions of these Frazetta, but often for me and Jared, this stuff looks too finished, yeah. too clean and tight. You know what I mean? If you look at Frazetta's work, he was much looser and, you know, a leg will just turn into blackness. You don't really see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And now, for me and Jared, that's our aesthetic. It's just a sort of loose, uh, raw, as you said, unfinished look. We hope it's more organic looking. You know, Jared has said that he wants our piece to look like the sculptor just got up and walked away from the table. Nice. You know? Yeah. And so want to have that kind of spontaneity to it. Now, some of these pieces, and, and we used to work, you know, in the, in the comic book uh, statue industry, and the stuff just got so clean and so tight. And now, of course, it's even tighter with ZBrush and the like. And we're more of like, you know, we're fans of Rodan and this... Um, and Remington. Remington, we're, we're yeah. We're from Texas, so a lot of... we are, There was always a lot of Remington around. Yeah, it's super loose. Uh, super naturalistic, and you just um, it has a it has a a spontaneity, a, a dynamism to it that we like more than the more than the face. You know, it's like the, it's like preferring pencil sketches to finished paintings. You sure. know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Well, yeah. it's I, I I think it's one. I think it's gorgeous. Two, I think that it it leaves the it leaves the viewer to kind of fill in the gaps, and you you have a a richer experience for it. Mm-hmm. If I show you a photograph of something, right. you go, oh, that's it, cool. But it, it reminds me of the Uncanny Valley, right? Where you, you look at something and it looks too real and it takes it out of that real, right. that, that area yeah. of possibility, for yeah. want of a better yeah. word. And I think this raw edge to it gives it more of a, yeah, like you say, like someone just took their hands away. Yeah. And it's right. the first time you're seeing it. And it's it's, it's like It's like when I was a kid and I'd look at Boris and I'd look at Frazetta and I'd be like, go. oh, Boris is like, yeah. it's so real. But then it's dead. And, yeah. and whereas it's Frazetta dead. stuff is so full of life, and it it, it, it fills my imagination more. No, you're, you're that's exactly right. Yeah. Like, Boris is this great technician. You know, mm-hmm. he's great at what he does, but but if you want that vibrancy and that life and that power, yeah. then it's Frazetta. Yeah, and he's absolutely amazing. We were just at a show, a LuxCon, in uh, Pennsylvania, and you know, he's a sweet guy, and the stuff him and Julie are amazing, but uh, it's apples to oranges it's for different. us. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Just because you guys deal in in some of the same 
iconography doesn't mean that you know there there is any. Right. I right. think I've okay. always thought Julie Bell's was her stuff was lighter and looser than Boris's, even though it's clearly of the Boris school. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like her stuff. Yeah. Um, we, yeah. I, we, we always we, go ahead. When we we, we, when we met Boris, we, we judged uh, an issue of Spectrum, uh, the fantasy art. Spectrum uh, 18? Yes, I think that's right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. I have, so, it. I have it on my shelf. <laughs> awesome. And awesome. But so when we judged, we judged with Boris. He, he was one of our the judges with us. So we had like four or five different meals with him, and we would talk to him. And he told, us, told me this fascinating thing, that he – had only he met Frazetta one time. That you think of them just always sure. seeing They're each buddies. other and being these rivals. <laughs> and so he met Frazetta one time at a show, and he and, and he walked up to him, and I said, "What did you say?" And he said, "All I said to him was thank you." Yeah, right. Thank nice. you for my life. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> wow. Nice, and I was nice. like, "Yeah, that's kind of how all of us feel." Yeah, right. Right. It's like uh, 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 when you see like. The first time I met Wrightson, and you see Wrightson's work out in front of yeah. you, and you're just like, and you see the pencil marks, and the, yeah. the, you're like, oh. You have to fight I mean, that urge not to drop to just your Just hug him. And <laughs> yeah, pull, pull on Wayne's World. Um, just start throwing money at him. <laughs> um, I like to go back and talk about, like, people when they're growing up. So I, definitely there's a twang in your voice, sirs. And I want to I hear yeah. a little bit about, like, growing up. Were you guys monster kids and... Were you were you like a uh, like we always talk about high, taking a highlighter to the TV guide to find certain films? I think these guys are younger than that. Yeah, I'm not right. sure. You're right. Not sure. <laughs> no, we're, we're we're in our forties. Forty five. Back in the yeah. kinescope days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I tell you, day, no, we were we were we were huge monster movie fans and science fiction fans. A lot of people who do what we do, the sculpt, sculpting in this in this genre, come at it from sort of mo- uh, movie angle. They watched Alien, they watched Predator, and they want to get into this kind of maquette work. Jared and I actually came at it from through comic books. We were comic book nerds, and we wanted to see 3D representations of our favorite comic book characters. That's how we started. And, of course, like I say, we're massive fans of monster movies in general, science fiction movies. The Thing is my favorite movie. Yeah. Because yeah. you're a uh, smart guy. That's the best movie. Yeah, that, that's it. And, and um, you know, we, we this may be another subject. We wished a lot, a lot of those cool practical effects, people were using them more these days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. gosh. The only people that are using them, I just watched a short uh, a trailer for a film that's that's new that's out. That um, the only people that are using them are the really micro budgeted people, right? It's, and they're the right. they're kind of forced to these days. It's well, weird. it's funny because so often it's, I think people start out with good intentions on the bigger films, mm-hmm. and you get places like ADI doing amazing practical effects for the the thing prequel. Yeah, and, right. then, it, and then it gets. Yeah. You know, somebody makes the decision, you know. Some guy like, in a suit shows yeah, up and decides, like, nah, yeah. it needs to be. This should be a romantic comedy. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking about, was like Paul Komoda and all the amazing stuff those guys did. Right. Uh, and it's physical, and then when the movie comes out, you know, it's all CG. And yeah. God yeah. bless the people who worked on it. I'm not saying, yeah. you know. I'm By just the way, saying. shout out to Paul Komoda. Yeah. That guy. Wow. 
We, we, he's, we, love him. he's we, a mad genius. He's a big inspiration of Isaac. We want him on that this show so bad. So bad. And, I, and we've talked to him, and it's just a matter of scheduling. He, but, Paul's always yeah. like, I'll see. But, yeah. I got, I got but yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Wrangle him in, because uh, he's really at the top for yeah. our money. We love uh, Simon Lee and Jordy Show, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Have you seen this guy, Harris. Bibby? He's the sculptor Bibby. He does big, giant yes, wildlife stuff. Uh, Say again? Uh, is it bears and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's great. Yeah. I just found him on Facebook, and that stuff is amazing. Yeah. Like 12-foot statues of a giant Kodiak bear. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Well, the thing that what, what pisses us off about Komoda is he can draw and sculpt, like, equally well. Yeah. And well, me and Jared, we're basically, we can only sculpt, really. We can't draw for shit. <laughs> like, a company will say, hey, you know, Send us a sketch of the a Hulk pose or whatever, uh, and we're, we 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 were. It's better for us to just sketch one out in clay overnight than it is to try right, to draw. Right, we can never get it across. Send pictures of one another in costume, <laughs> like yeah, this. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's totally. amazing. That is amazing. So I'm I'm trying to make the connection with you saying you know us talking previously about you growing up and then like I. Most people that we run into, they talk about you know drawing and da, 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 but it sounds like you guys went right to sculpting. Was it was it because you wanted to see that three D representation of your favorite comic book stuff, or was it like here's something tactile that I can deal with that? Well, you know, you know. we wanted to uh, draw comic books. We wanted to draw the X Men and uh, Nexus and stuff and. We just couldn't do it. And then we realized we sucked. Yeah, no, we just couldn't, you know. It's like, that was That's a dark day. <laughs> I just had yeah. that yesterday. That day yesterday. And so, and so, eventually, when we, we both realized we could sculpt kind of late. Jared was in his late teens. Uh, and we, we basically worked on our own not really showing people anything for like a year and a half, I want to say, almost two years, uh, which is a little bit different than these kids now. You know, it's like the, everybody's like, here's my first attempt, and everybody's putting it online, you know. Right. We're seeing every Instagram. WIP is yeah. like uh, that. But we, we, um, we just sculpted for ourselves for like two years before we really showed anybody anything. And uh, when we realized we both could do it, and, and we realized, oh, we're still we're going to get into this industry. Uh, kind of through the back door. We thought we were wanting to be comic book artists, but we ended up being sculptors in the industry. But, and, and, you know, no small part of it was the conventions. We were already going to uh, the Dallas Fantasy Fair back at Market Hall in the 80s and 90s. And so when we started having little sculptures in the art show, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. And then eventually we got a booth and at Comic-Con. Yeah. Right. And where we really where we really got discovered was that was at San Diego, you know, Comic Con. Um, and it, it, I guess we kind of got we kind of got we put our stuff out in the art show and we left business cards and we kind of got discovered uh, by two different people at the same time. One was Lauren Landing, who was creating the Odd World Abe's Odyssey video oh, yes. game. So he he that hadn't happened yet, but he had he had done these polar bears for those Coca Cola commercials, and he had this amazing reputation, and he found us and said, okay, I want to use you on this video game, you know, which was Oddworld. At the time, it was called Offworld, in fact. And so we worked on that, that video game, and it was a big 
uh, a big thrill for us. That's a big thrill. Back then, you had to sculpt these physical maquettes, you know, and they would scan them in and animate them. Uh, awesome. and now, yeah. yeah, nowadays, it's all done in ZBrush. But uh, we, we sculpted seven or eight characters for that in Texas. And then at the same time, around the same time, uh, Glenn Danzig saw our stuff. And he had Verotic comics, you know. Sure. And, and and so he we did like three resin kits for Verotic. And um, people responded really well to those. And that's what got us started. That, those were based on Simon uh, Bisley designs. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, Simon, yeah. That guy. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's honest. Another, still... an, another guy who, who has that Frazetta yeah, yeah, stamp yeah, yeah, yeah. on his, his stuff. Um, I, I'm interested because I didn't, as a kid, I, I, you know, I everything for me was movies, 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 right. and right. I, I didn't even know that there was uh, at, at the time it was garage kits, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know this stuff existed. And then one day I was in a shop somewhere. And I look up on the shelf, and there's a, a Ray Harryhausen Cyclops. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah, right. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, it's one of the new kits. And, and, and then and I I had no idea that there was a sculpting world out there beyond um, fine art. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yes. And, and uh, how it was was that a revelation to you like it was to me, or was it always around for you guys? And it was like, oh, we know this thing exists. No, that I had that exact same thing happen. Uh, we were in a comic book store, and I looked up on the shelf, and there was a Horizon vinyl kit. It was Moto Hata's Hulk, M-O-T-O-H-A-T-A, and this was a really influential sculptor back in the day. But when I looked at it, I was like, how was that even done? Was it done by a computer? Was it? And this was 20 years ago. Was it uh, just what is it? And... Uh, that was a huge turning point for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And we we got in. We found this world pretty quickly. Once we realized we were pretty decent sculptors, we went out to like Chiller Theater in New Jersey, which is is a horror, you know, a movie and a lot of resin kit shows, uh, mm-hmm. resin kit. And so we go out there, and I think I just remember thinking, me and Jared were thinking, you know, we've got this. We're we're pretty good. We we were pretty proud of ourselves. And we go out there and. We see this kit, and it's Dr. Chenard from Hellraiser, and it's, it's the <laughs> aforementioned Paul Komoda. And we were just like, what the fuck right. is this? It's on a completely different level than what we're doing. We have to go back to Texas and regroup and rethink everything <laughs> and, like, really raise our game. Because there there was a whole industry of people already doing this who were, were, were honestly are kind of fine artists. I mean, Paul Komoda is like a fine artist who's chosen this genre. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, he, Edward he Scissor did Edward Scissorhands as well. Bernard, yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm interested, you know, you, you, you're, you're messing around in your garage or in your room. You're, right. you're fans of comic books. I, is somebody teaching you sculpting at school at all? Do you? I mean, like, what is what? I, I, because whenever I first started sculpting, I was like, I knew nothing, and so I'm I'm using you know, essentially pottery clay to try to right. build right. things, <laughs> and of course it's it, you know you can only do so much, and uh, it was a long process of 
there, there wasn't the internet, so I couldn't I couldn't discover this stuff online, and so you, right, yeah. it, it took forever to figure yeah, out techniques and and stuff. It's so different now. That's exactly our story. I mean, we were probably came up around the same time, but we we didn't know anything. We were using the wrong clays. We were using the wrong armature wire. We were using you know coat hangers, which is not a good idea. They're a bitch to cut through, and we we had no idea what we were doing, and we were making it up. It was all trial and error, and in fact, we called a, a famous sculptor who shall remain nameless. I'm going to say his name. Don't <laughs> <laughs> do it. Here it comes. And so we said, you know, what kind of clay are you using? How do we do? And he was like, I'm not going to tell you because you're going to take my jobs and stuff. And we were like, wow. (laughs) Me and Sherry talked to each other. We were like, man, if we ever make it, uh, we're going to tell everybody everything about how we do it. It's not, we're not, if if you're some kid and you're, and you're a badass, we want to see it, man. That excites us. Uh, so bring it on, you know. It's not a thing. You're, you know, I don't want any kids to fail because they're using the wrong fucking clay. Yeah, right, right. Well, I think in the in the person with the information, the idea of not sharing breeds com- like a complacency in your own work, right? You're not pushing yourself to to be better. Right. See some shit well, that makes you goes, "Holy mackerel! I need to step my game up because right. these young whippersnappers." You're, you're putting up. Well, it's like it's like it's like teaching, right? It's yeah. like. A, a, martial arts instructors used to do the same thing. It's like, I'm not going to show you this, this, and this, right, right, because right. then you're going to... The five-finger Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I always need to have something in my sleeve to... Yeah. Yeah. to Just in know. case you decide to whip my ass. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that's what was great about Dick Smith. Dick he, Smith, Stan Winston, yeah, today. He was the first guy who, like, you know, people, kids would, like, send him letters, yeah. you know, but... And, What's your blood formula? Oh, here uh, it is. Here it is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he'd tell you you know, where to go and get the stuff. Yeah. But I also think that that's, those are the kind of artists that don't succeed. The ones that... The ones that are trying to... to yeah, gatekeep the information yeah, to the yeah, younger yeah, things. Yeah. Oh, people, totally. I, I think the true masters have no problem telling you how they're doing it because the person either has the talent or they don't have the talent. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, you know, I, 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 I can't give you the... You know, there's a lot I can't teach about posing and about artistic vision, uh, but but I can tell you the the steps like like laying bricks, you know, of how we do it. Yeah. Um, the rest of it is up to the individual person who's trying to do it. And it's interesting that you said that about Dick Smith because I remember there was a show called Movie Magic back on the Discovery yeah. Channel. God, I love that show. And I saw there was an episode, and they said, you know, this guy will tell everybody anything. Uh, about you know about the way he does it, and I thought, man, that's the coolest thing you can have said about you, is that well, you'll just tell people whatever. I think in the it also is smart because the being free with the information to someone who's less uh, experienced than you, it kind of brings them to to a peer level, and that's something that guy never forgets. I remember right. the time when the shiftless looked at my shit and didn't tell me I sucked. Or what yeah, had you exactly? Those are those moments, and they gave me a tip on on how to make it better. Right. Those are those moments that elevate the inexperienced artist to such like there's that validation. Exactly. If nothing else, the shipwood said my Some, shit was good. Exactly. Somebody gave me permission. Yeah, it's a, that's a big topic we talk about on this show a lot. That we we find that everyone has that one guy or that one gal that says 
gave you the thumbs up when you really needed it and sort of solidified your course. And it might be even like your aunt when you're five and you wrote yeah. some little you know, story, and she's like, oh, that's good. And they, and did, like, was, they didn't make you see a therapist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was that shot of dopamine that you needed to... You know, I'm curious about... Most artists um, we, we talk to, I can ask them about process. Right. And process is process. And as you say, you can say, do this, then this, then this, then this. The thing that interests me about you guys is there's two of you, so that either has to breed a, a intense... Syncope, if one want a better word, like like syncopated or a a, a synchronized way of doing things, or it's got to be just a lot of cursing under your breath, (laughs) just anger, just retribution and vengeance. (laughs) So is it is it a consensus? Okay, this is done, or is it one guy going, no, you know what, dude, we we should back off of this. Um. Go ahead, Jared. Everything you can imagine. You know, early on... Nice fights. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We've gone at it before. But we combined our comic book collections when we were kids, and that wouldn't sound like it's relevant. But it kind of is, because there's a lot of collaborating and talking about stuff, and, hey, the legs are too short, the head's too big, the cape looks flat. Uh, And... and we, the important thing with us is we have the same sort of aesthetics. We looked at all the same artists growing up, you know, Jeffrey Catherine Jones and Frank Frazetta and Mobius. And we, so we know all these references. And we, we, the end product, we want to look the same. So sometimes we have discussions about how we're getting there. But Jared and I get along incredibly well. Uh, you know, people at conventions like, how do you work with your brother? Um, we never have a problem yeah, at all. Yeah. So, so if one of us starts it, it, like if I start one, then I kind of have the hammer on, you know, Jared may say, can we put wings on it? Look at wings. And I would say, yeah or no. But whoever starts the piece kind of gets the hammer on uh, the final decision on whatever we're doing with it. We make these things up as we go along. So there are a lot of little decisions made along the way. I was gonna, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, no, 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 go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you can see the difference if you really look at the pieces. I'm more like sword and sorcery, and he's a little bit more techno, William Gibson, goth kind of girls. Yeah, wow, 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 wow. Do you find that the idea, like, initially it's like, hey, I want to do a werewolf. Is there any talk of how that ultimately is going to look, or did you find that even the initial idea that you had mutates as you move further through the process. It absolutely mutates. Wow. I would say it changes the whole time. With our original characters, because we're making them up as we go, we will literally say, as I said, like, does this guy need horns? And we'll stick horns on him. No, or maybe these different kinds of horns, or we'll stick wings on him. And it's all like trial and error with us. Um, And we, you know, we decided early on that everything we did would be credited the Shiflet brothers. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Sure, and sure. so there's a lack of, I think they're honestly, our ego, our egos are about the Shiflet brothers. You see what I'm saying? They're right. not about us individually. It's like Jared's not trying to prove how good he is to me or me to him. I think that really helps us in what we're trying to do. It's kind of, you know, that we have a common goal. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like John and Paul. 
Even exactly. though one of them may have wrote something that's it's a product of both of those. Look at us <laughs> comparing <laughs> you guys. Huh? <laughs> it's a lot like especially, John and Paul. Yes. Especially at the end, uh, you know, when they really were, when they were just writing songs on their own, but right. they still they still build Lennon McCartney, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so the question I would have is that how important to the two of you you work so intensely together. How important to you is time apart? Um, very important. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get away from each other. I would think so. I've worked with a with a spouse, and it's it's hard, man. Well, it, I, that brings up the question. Um, simply by the nature of the job, you guys live near each other, yeah? I mean, like, yes. Okay, yeah. it's it's not like. One of you is flying across the country to work on a piece. No, not at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. We're we're in the same general area. Yeah, and so there's, you know, we can Skype, we can send each other pictures, and then, uh, you know, he'll just come over, or I'll go over there, or whatever. Switch pieces. Anything you can imagine, it happens that way. Sometimes I'll start a piece and give it to him, or he'll start a piece and give it to me. Uh, in our early days, we did a lot of collaborations with uh, Calabrian Moore, mm. and so the process of, of giving somebody a piece, it doesn't seem like the end of the world to us. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, you know, it's hard not it's hard not to get precious with the, with your your art, but on the other hand, at I, some point, you're giving it over. You, you can't do everything. You got to give it over to someone. Well, totally. I, I think that's an advantage of working with your brother or, or somebody mm-hmm. that you learn early on not to because I, I I'll make a piece and I don't want to sell it yeah. <laughs> I'm just like I want to keep this you know yeah totally yeah, yeah well part of it is once you see the effect of uh, I wouldn't say a team but two people two minds are better than one so as it starts to average out oh, look, you know, I made this one a little better. He made this one a little better. The legs were too short. Uh, so two minds working on the same thing, it does start to whittle it away and make it better. And so then you start to trust in that. And, you know, uh, yeah, and it's worked are, are there things that um, that you, you you know either the the other brother is better at or enjoys more? So it's like... I, I don't want to make these eyes. You make sure. these eyes, you know. For sure. Uh, Neither of us can sculpt robots. Yeah. So we have to stay away from, like, <laughs> Iron Man yeah. and motorcycles. People always try to hire us to do, like, hardware stuff, and we're like, no, no. Yeah. You, need, you need to find another guy. smooth and sleek. Yeah. That stuff is much harder to do, I think, than, yeah. than something yeah, with a lot of texture and and we, we have been doing some robotic stuff, but it's more like junkyard robots, you know, which we can do, where mm-hmm. the stuff's beat up and it's not precise. Um, but I definitely think, I mean, Jared is some kind of past master at male anatomy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're doing a big project. I, it's not like I'm going to work a long time on the anatomy. I let Jared come in and do that. Thank you, Brandon. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, so you wait, you rough it out. You you rough it out and then hand it to him and, and exactly that's awesome. That's what that's what kind of amazes me about people like I don't know like Steve Wang. You look right. at a Steve Wang Iron Man, and you're like 
wait, somebody made this with their hands? Know. You know, it looks like... Yeah. It, it, I just sent Langley, uh, Steve just put up a piece from some fairy thing. It was a life-size oh, figure. Oh, that, yeah, that huge thing. Yeah, yeah, oh my god. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. We're trying to get him on the show, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's... We're trying to he's get everybody great. on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right, it's representation. It's more, it's more, um... I was, why am I thinking, I keep thinking of Soriyama with all that stuff. Uh, that very smooth, yeah, kind of yeah, glossy yeah. look yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, Who? We Soriyama once. Yeah, I interviewed him once, and it was, talk about just keeping my forehead pressed to the ground. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> that guy, that guy, his stuff is amazing. He, I, he reminds me of like a visual like Barker, able to combine like a dark, a darkness with a sort of sexuality and it makes it all sort of work. Maybe that's just me. Um, do you guys do a lot of previs? Like, like you mentioned ZBrush. Are you, do you use ZBrush or is it a more organic thing for you? No, we do not. Uh, we, we have not used ZBrush. We're, Bless you. So far, we're only <laughs> traditional. Good. That's nice. And um, we thought we were going to do some virtual reality Sculpting, and oh the, yeah, the Oculus people. Oculus, yeah, they right, they sent right. us the beta. They sent us all the equipment, and they wanted us to test it. And when it came down to it, me and Jared just in the end we said, "No, nah, we just can't do it." Yeah, we we just like clay, you know. Um, we're we're into that tactile, that feeling of fingers on clay. We like freaking fingerprints in yeah. our stuff, all kinds of stuff. It's playing but no, in we the mud. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, I totally we get it. Do, we don't do much pre-vis. Every, we start bending the armature wire, and we might sometimes have a vague sense of what we're doing, yeah. but I've been bending armature wire before and not even knowing whether it was going to be a female or a male, you know, and I'm just, we just start going and make right. it up. A lot of the ZBrush stuff is great, though. Uh, it's just like traditional in the sense some of it is okay, some of it's fucking amazing, uh, yeah. So it's, a, my my only my only beef with with ZBrush and and other uh, you know there's like you know, what's the free one Sculptress. Uh, it, it seems like uh, it, my only beef with it is when I look at when when I for example when I look at one of your pieces, I can tell immediately that's a Shiflet Brothers piece. When I look at ZBrush pieces, mm-hmm. even from established artists, I can't tell who did it. Yeah, it's a ZBrush piece. Yeah, exactly. And and I I don't know if that comes from the inherent smoothness of mm-hmm. the of the um, you know, the virtual clay, or or because yeah. people use the mirror function and make it. Yeah, the symmetry. That's yeah. the the bane of it to me is the uh, is flipping it because that's that just stands out right away. Uh, some people are better at it than others. I like uh, Brian Winia. Yeah, I like uh, uh, Amilcar Aldona Fong. Yeah, and there's uh, John Mahoney. I don't know if you've seen those yeah. guys work. No. He does wicked creature design. Um, he teaches out in California, but John Mahoney does some wicked stuff in ZBrush. Um, it's a tool. It's, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
But there's not that tactile thing about it. The um, get your scorecards, kids. It's like Kong's fur. Aha! <laughs> Our Kong reference. We always mention Kong. But and the you idea did that, it first. This I know. Time. That's the awesome. idea that 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 there's a there's an imperfection there that makes it almost come alive. It makes it. Yeah, it makes it real. The other thing I was going to mention is a lot. I I see with a lot of people who do a lot of previsualization and that kind of mm-hmm. a thing. It doesn't. It leaves out the opportunity for happy accidents. Like you know, I'm, I want I want it to look this way, but damn it, the armature wire won't bend that way. Right. In fact, it makes it look cooler and less perfect. Right. You know what I mean? We, we talk about this all the time. Half of what we do with uh, you know, it's happy accidents, and I don't know if you would if the same kind of thing would happen in ZBrush. You know, I've had a, I've been working on a piece and not, and dropped it off my table accidentally. And, and then her horns are bent all askew and it's like, oh my God, that's way better than how I asked. <laughs> well, I think, like that. I, I don't know if you can get that kind of spontaneity and that kind of coolness, uh, of the moment, you know, mm-hmm. in, in one of these programs. I'm not sure. sure. Well, I think it's different where if I, in using what you just said, if I, in ZBrush, if I quote unquote drop the, the thing off the table. Right, right. Oh, I just control Z and it puts it all back. Right. right. If I drop a real thing off the table, I'm stuck with what's there. I can fix it, but ultimately it it it's unchangeable. It, right. And and it it like he was just saying. I I think a lot of times it gives you something. It gives you something you wouldn't have been able to do on your own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's 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 adding that element of chaos. Which makes it yeah. better. It makes it more real. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially if you've got somebody that's like wearing armor and shit, and they've been like yeah. fighting and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. now you dropped it, and now it really does look like somebody <laughs> like beat the shit out. Yeah. Of you. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Um, yeah. I I, I want to get a little geeky on process for here we go for, for buckle <laughs> up, kids. Uh, not really, but um. You guys work a lot in with uh, Super Sculpey, yeah. Yes. Do you do you find a a do you ever find that there's a material prejudice amongst artists? It's like oh, sure. or or they use this, and so they're like I found okay, when I was doing um, visual effects work, I, I I used After Effects a lot, and I and I found like people would kind of poo-poo what you were doing because it wasn't nuke it wasn't the newest the newest coolest most expensive program mm-hmm. yeah. you know do you find that people do people ever give you a hard time for using selfie especially early on yeah uh i would say um yes you know a lot of action figure guys they like wax and this is you know they think this is much more refined and you can get much better detail super sculpey was always working for us. And we, we have these Japanese heroes and one of, uh, one of our Japanese hero sculptors is Takeyuki Takeya and he uses super sculpting. So I always felt like, uh, if Takeya uses it, it's good enough for us. Fuck yeah, you guys. Can, He's can, the best. Yeah. We can see the box of Sculpey right there in the picture. Yeah. That, and the picture's worth a thousand words. So yeah. right. You go. Um, it's, it, you know, not everybody can work, and it, it, it becomes subjective at some point. Everybody has their own preferences. Uh, Super Sculpey has a lot of great properties, uh, and now they have the Sculpey Firm and the Sculpey Medium Blend. Right. And uh, 
you know, we love it. We love to bake a piece and then continue to work on it, uh, dremel it, sand it, carve it. Uh, that's a great idea. Sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, that's, the, that's the great thing about it, right, is that you, you can you, you bake it for 15 minutes, and now you've got this hard piece that you can work on in a different way. It's a different, it's, yeah. It's... Then it, whereas, say, for example, if I'm, if I'm sculpting something with oil-based clay, it's always soft. Uh-huh. Right. And and uh, I guess it depends on what the end game is, right? Uh-huh. Like are, you know, right. are you, are you molding this thing? Is it a um, is it original? Do you guys ever do pieces that um, where the sculpture itself is the piece? That's what you sell. The original sculpture. There's no molds being made. It's just, here's this original piece. If you drop yeah. it on the floor, customer, it's going to break. Yes. Sometimes we do, and for a lot of that, we use Aves Epoxy Sculpt, and oh. that's a much stronger product, uh, much more durable, so that you don't have the, like, over a few years, a Super Sculpty original, you're going to develop spider cracks in it, kind of, you know. Sure. But when we know we're doing a one-of-a-kind, sometimes we'll bust out a Wolverine and put it on eBay, and people love that, you know, that they can get a, a one-off piece like that sometimes from us. Sure. And we always try to do that in this Aves epoxy sculpt, you know, which is two parts and you mix it together. Yeah. Yeah, it gets strong it gets strong as hell. And that's a thing where you almost could drop that on the floor and it would be okay. Is uh, is it yeah. uh, is it much different to work with? It is a little different. At one point in the curing process it's very similar, but the problem is once you mix it together it starts it starts off kind of sticky and and it's getting harder over the next two hours, you right. know. So you that you're fast. Yes, you have to work fast, but also you're dealing with different um, consistencies. Uh, Twenty minutes in, you're dealing with one consistency. An hour and a half in, you're dealing with another consistency, you mm-hmm. know. And there's a sweet spot in there where we like to work. It's not. That's probably not for everyone either, but you know, we've 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 found some really good results with that stuff. Um, another geek question, or sculpting geek question, and and I promise I'll stop asking these. No, things. you're good. No, uh, this is totally cool. Um, when you are so, the hardest thing for me has been figuring out how uh, how to break things up for molds. Because right. if you if you're making something that has these a, a lot of intricate. Um, I, for lack of a better word, long pieces and, and wings, little, and, 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 yeah, all this kind of stuff. Where and 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 the more complicated it gets, I, I just get lost. It's like it's like math to me. I'm like, how the hell do you figure out where the mold's gonna go? And like, um, uh, there's describe, an art. Describe that process to me because like yeah. I'm totally like. That's why all my sculptures are like big clunky, like round things. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> there is an art to it. Uh, kind of sculpting it is the fun part, and then breaking it down and putting it back together so that it can be molded is uh, not the fun part. And uh, if it's going to be an original design, you don't, I mean, an, a, a one of a kind piece, you don't have to worry about it so much. But uh, talk about where you cut it, Jared, and why. Like, if you have a barbarian holding a large axe at arm length and you try to ship that, there's going to be stress around the wrist and around the shoulder. So to avoid that, you would break the uh, 
break it down, break the axe off the hand, and uh, break the arm off the body if you can. If, and, and when he says break, you really mean like you use a jeweler's saw. Yeah, yeah, we will wow. use a jeweler's saw with uh, a, brand, a brand new blade. Uh, you don't want to try to cut it apart with a dull blade. And this is where the wire inside makes a big difference. If you'll use almaloy, which is just a fancy name for aluminum wire, it's strong, but you can cut through it pretty easily. Like exactly. if you try to cut through Copper. A, a coat hanger, you're, you're going to be there all day. Yeah, it's the worst. Spark, can you, uh, yeah. do you have to compensate for the width of the blade? You do. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so oh, wow. You have to build like a little male-female peg uh, and have it fit back and, and fill that jeweler saw width of the blade back in. You're essentially re-sculpting that little the width. You're essentially kind of re-sculpting that part. Right, you're so, having to fill in. That. Right. Okay, okay, gotcha. Wow. wow. There's little repairs that go along with it. Uh and we don't mold the pieces. We never have. So we ship them off to a, our mold maker. That's one there reason Sculpey was also <laughs> always good. Yeah, exactly. And the mold making is a is really a whole art into itself. It's right. absolutely. It's very difficult, and you know, some people are better at it than others. Uh, I'd almost some, I'd almost say that uh, uh, a lot of times mold makers are more more your. Um, how to, how to, for lack of a better word, mechanically inclined guys, right. and exactly. the, and the sculptors yeah. are more the art guys. Mm-hmm. And, right. and yeah. I can't imagine the the depth of the breath taken when you first put that saw to your sculptor. And here's and it's so it's so nerve wracking. I don't even do it. I, yeah. Jared, Jared <laughs> does all of our stuff, even my stuff. I'm like, dude. Cut this up. I don't want to do, see. I don't even be in the room when you're doing it. It's like an autopsy. Yeah, I don't want yeah. to look. It's like I know it's going to save my baby. I have, but I have to cut its arm off. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. totally. It's and, been uh, bit by a zombie, and if I don't cut that arm off, yeah. there's a dispassionate person that says, "Baby arm, <laughs> give me an axe." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I read the, on your site that. Uh, are you done with the geeks? <laughs> I have one more, but but I'll, I'll wait for this it. This is just a, this will break it up. Um, I read that your some of your stuff is in the private collections of people like Robert Rodriguez and Peter Jackson. Yeah, what's, what's that like? <laughs> Man, we have been so one of one of the really the hallmarks of our careers is how lucky we've been with totally. who has seen our stuff and when they when they saw it, Random. and then not only that, but then things they've said about our work publicly. You know, we talked about this this rough aesthetic we have. A lot of the, in, in the statue industry, the collectors didn't love that. Mm-hmm. Like, the collectors want everything nice and neat. And so what our saving grace was... We actually have haters. Yeah, People we, say we haters, no, we really have haters. And so what saved us was these well-known artists. It was all, the people who liked our stuff were artists, mm-hmm. you know, and so we felt this connection with them. And these people, like Richard Taylor from Weta or Wayne Barlow or whoever it was, or Jordu, they would see our stuff and they would make, you know, 
these really overly nice, generous comments about it in public, you know, in, in, in magazines or what have you. And it really boosted our careers. Richard Taylor from Weta uh, just walked past our booth at Comic Con. It yeah. was totally, it was random. Yeah, and and then he's, oh, you know, he didn't he didn't know who you were prior prior no, to seeing no. that. No, he came, and then once he met us, then he would come every year to our booth, and and he was the first year he was like one of everything, and we were like, yeah, oh shit. So <laughs> yeah, so he thought. So he bought a bronze for him, and he bought a bronze for Peter Jackson, uh, which is our old scratch piece. Then Andy Circus came to us Damn. and wanted a bronze, a different bronze, a big, big bronze. Deal with the devil. For yeah, deal with the devil for um, Peter Jackson's fiftieth birthday. Wow! And they had a party, and Andy Circus gave this this gift to Peter Jackson, um, and that was a it was a. I mean, we weren't there, but. It was a huge highlight for us. That was freaking awesome. That's Robert so Rodriguez, cool. Robert Rodriguez is into resin kits, and he's painted up uh, a couple of hours. The Jaguar God, I believe. Um, I knew it was going to be Frazetta, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> Rodriguez is such a Frazetta. Yeah, totally. And he's been, but these, you know, he's super nice about our stuff, and we've been, like I said, we've been super lucky with that, with uh, with with very famous people and well known artists uh, being overly generous about our work. Well, I think I think quality work and talent uh, gets noticed. Mm-hmm. I, I I I I realize there's an element of luck there, but had you not been awesome, these guys wouldn't have looked at your stuff. Yeah, there were lots of other booths that walked so right by. Yeah, you, know you I mean? guys are amazing. I imagine, I, and as it happened with me when I saw you at Comic Con, you know, you're literally walking down a, down an aisle. And all you need is the cartoon sound of like screeching tub tub yeah. as you yeah. walk by, and you and that's the reaction is what the hell is this? Yeah. Well, because so often, like even like at a convention, you're walking along, and there's a booth, there's a booth, there's a booth, and and it's real easy to kind of get in this this mode where you kind of just cruise, you're yeah. just cruising by. And yeah. uh, and then and you wait for those things that like reach out and like grab you by the fucking throat and say, "Look, That's motherfucker!" And right. <laughs> your stuff does that. There you go. Man, thank you so much for saying yes. so. Appreciate. Um, I'm curious. I read something else on your site. Fantasy sculpting the dragon of Argon is that? That's a DVD. Is that available that people? And is it what I think it is, which is a sort of documentation of takes the, you th- this it process? Takes like we here, we're gonna about. make this. We yes. We, it's, it's like a, a two and a half hour instructional. It was a DVD from the Noman Workshop in Hollywood, and most of what they do, they they do a visual effects teaching. Most of it is digital, obviously, but they do have some traditional, and they asked us to do that. We may do another one. These DVDs are all sold out now. If you sign up for Noman uh, on the Noman website for like a month, I think then you can see everything and you would be able to see it. But I think the only way you can see it now is streaming on the Noman site. It's a sign of the times. They, they yeah. printing DVDs yeah. and they've gone all streaming. Yeah. So the next one, we do a new one. It will be streaming from the beginning. Right. It's like what Winston's doing. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. right. I think Winston still, uh, I, th- I think, uh, Matt still markets DVDs, but more and more, it's really just about 
becoming a subscriber mm -hmm. because I mean, yeah. and that makes sense, you know. Sure. It's like that's where you make your money because now you're having to pay every month to mm -hmm. to yeah to to have this yeah. content we, available to you. We appreciate these, you know, these kinds of people reaching out to us. Like we're, we've done some instructional articles for like Imagine FX, and Imagine FX is primarily a digital magazine. And at some point they said, hey, we need to have this section in the magazine that's, like, traditional. And we're like, yeah, traditional shit. Let's do this. Yeah, we're like, right. well, that, man. Totally. That's a great little magazine, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, um, I think it's, again, it goes back to what we are saying about the sharing of information. And, and we, we live, I don't want to be this guy, but we live in a time now where all of this stuff, you know, I'm finding, I find amazing things on YouTube. And, and I just read an article about a woman and her kid kids who built a house based off of what they learned on youtube tutorials sure so it's all out there and it's so now the onus is on the artists themselves to go find it parse through the the bullshit and you know get to that place right. where they too can get noticed at, at, you know yeah moment. i i i do think that there's uh, i i one i think that that's awesome uh, it's great that people don't have to spend the amount of time we did. But we did, like, <laughs> stumbling around trying to figure out, you know, like, taking rocks and sticking them together. Yeah. Um, the internet, yeah. And at the same time, I also feel like, I also feel like that that's, a little bit of that is necessary. Like, you need to, yeah, you need to. Well, you appreciate what was hard won, right? Right, exactly. Better than something that was freely given. Yeah. So, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. I can teach I've... you, I can teach you how to um, kill somebody with your bare hands over a long period of time, sure. or I could hand you a gun. Yeah. Which one are you going to appreciate more? One seems to cheat. Yeah. <laughs> how we get from sculpting that's to killing horrible, people. But that's there a you go. horrible analogy. <laughs> yeah. Let's take our time and enjoy the murder. Yes. <laughs> that's more my speed. Oh, my God. You get it. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's funny. Now's um, uh, the point where everyone gets their pen and paper out um tell us a little bit about the sculptors that both influenced you and the ones like today that you're like where get point us in some directions to find yeah. new stuff yeah so this is what what we're really excited about we like to talk about our influences a lot um this this in the late 80s early 90s this japanese book creature core by this sculptor designer yasushi nirasawa and his friend takeyuki takeya uh, changed our lives, showed us that this stuff could be really art, you know, and I'm not sure we were doing high art, but these guys were for sure. There's another Japanese sculptor who was named Yuji Oniki. He's incredible. Did, our did, favorite, I, yeah, did, go ahead. Did one of those guys do the Zerum, uh, yes. resin kit? I, I thought yes. so. Oh, okay. Okay. Takeya, absolutely. Man. And so our favorite guy sort of, hands down right now is this Hollywood concept sculptor, Simon Lee, Spider Zero. Yeah. So this guy is absolutely wicked and super fast, and he can he, he's really a genius. He also works uh, very loose. Right? He he's absolutely. It's like, boom, you know, it's like get the major major muscle groups in there, and yeah. bam. And, and absolutely. He makes it look easy. Yeah. So. Um, a lot of these people we've talked about, uh, Simon, Paul Komoda, Steve Wang, Jordu. There's a, there's a Greek sculptor named Eris Kolokontes. 
this guy's really good. I mean, really badass. He does a lot of busts, and we 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 love that guy. That's traditional stuff as well. Wow. Um, have you been this, able to meet? Have you been able to meet all these folks? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're friends with with all these guys. We're we're pretty. We're you know we're pretty good friends with Simon. We've known Simon for a while. We haven't met Eris. Oh yeah, we have not met Eris Colacantes from Greece, but we have a uh, you know that internet relationship with him. Sure, we're, sure. Fawning, we're fawning from afar. <laughs> hey, I, there are whole relationships I have with and people <laughs> yeah. that you've never met. Yeah. I meet people ten years on and go, oh yeah, well, hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those are some of the best relationships too, really. Right? Yeah, it's true. Sometimes people, I'm a big fan of people at a distance. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when you meet the person you've been buddies with forever on the internet, you're like. I wish we would have just stayed buddies. Yeah. Happened yeah. to me. Happened to me. One year we had a cat. My wife got arranged an interview with someone I was really into. Yeah. And uh, and you and I thought this is we're going to be buddies. Yeah. We're going to go fishing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that didn't turn out at all. Yeah. Yeah. So you know they say never meet your heroes. Um, right. I wanted to ask you real quickly. Um, when did you start? When did the idea come up for making bronzes? When did you start making bronzes? And are you involved at all in the bronze making process? So I think pretty early on, we we made bronzes pretty quickly. There was something about that we, you know, this the, the, our style, this looseness, that we like the look of it in bronze. And there's there's this, um, you know, there's this, ego-driven immortality thing. Like, this this fucker's going to be a law. It's going to be here after I die. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. Like, well, somebody melts it down. Totally. Uh, <laughs> so that's kind of a cool thing. But we have a great bronze foundry. It's in Bastrop, Texas, near Austin. and Called Deep in the Heart and we work, Art Foundry. Yeah, Deep in the Heart Art Foundry. And they, we work pretty closely with them. We, we walk, we, you know, we walk through, we tour it, we go and we look at the piece when it's in the metal and, and and they have a great patina person there who colors it. Um, they do exceptional work, but yeah, we're involved. We're seeing pictures and we're deciding on what bases and patinas we want. Sure. Um, it's a, it's a totally different process than the resin casting. You know, it's, it's an amazing, amazingly complex process. Right. Right. And that's why I was asking because it's, it's, it's completely different. Does it affect the way that you sculpt a piece if you know it's going to be a bronze piece? Well, it affects the way we cut it up because, uh, like we were talking about, we didn't really get into it, but with the resin, you want to hide all your seams. Wherever you've cut it apart, you want to try to put it around the belt area or if, like, Tarzan has a bandana on his arm, that's a great place to cut it. So you're trying to hide it. And in bronze, you want the uh, cut to be in the largest, most open space they can make it because they have to go back and weld it together and fix it. Uh, so uh, it's okay. It's a post wax process. Yes. And, uh, yeah. So our resin caster and our and our bronze found we want it cut in two different places, which you know, which we accommodate. It's all part of it. Uh, they do a great job and. Uh, and they, you know, it's like mostly wildlife stuff. So I think, you know, it's like mostly deer and stuff. And we walked in with our first, you know, like horrible demon from hell. They were like, what? 
we've talked about our hero Nirasawa. We're working on a Nirasawa project that's licensed. Nirasawa's passed away, but his estate has uh, reached out, and we're working on a Nirasawa project uh, from that book, Creature Core. That's really cool. We've got a bunch of commissions going, uh, and uh, and all of our personal stuff, which is the most important stuff to us in the end. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so we want to say at shiftletbrothers.com you can reach us and anybody who has sculpting questions feel free to hit us up by email but we also have on Facebook we have the Shiftlet Brothers sculpting forum yeah. and this is a place that mixes pros and amateurs like like some of these badasses Paul Komoda is in there but also just a rank beginner mm-hmm. and all these people are mixing up are mixing together talking shop trading tips and tricks critiquing work it's a very we try we want it to be a very encouraging place, a very positive place, and a safe place. You know, for beginners to show their stuff. That's not always easy. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a great page, uh, and a lot of times I discover um, new artists or new work on your page. On, on yeah, page. I mean it's inspiring. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we see all kinds of crazy stuff on there. We yeah. have about twelve thousand members. I want to say. And um, it's it's really inspiring to see what people are doing. Yeah, and it's good. It's just important to stay up on the new stuff. Yeah, you know, if, sure. if you go hide in the closet, your stuff is gonna uh, fare far worse. You know, if you if you're uh, have more of a global attitude and look at stuff uh, from anywhere and anyone, then uh, you will improve. It goes back to what we were saying about the um, breeding complacency in in the work, right? Right. Yeah. Right on. So uh, again, website. Yes, shipletbrothers.com. All right. Cool. And right you on. can and you can email Jared or I from there if you have any sculpting questions, or you can just hit them up on our forum. Hit us up on our forum at, at Facebook, and there are people on there. Some some of some sculptors who are better than we are. So we invite everybody. <laughs> To come over there and check it out. Lots, yeah. And that's that's two F's and two T's, right? It's one F, one F, two, one F, and two T's. They're yeah. always there with the F. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks guys for coming on. Um, we're gonna, we'll of course get get ready. We're gonna hit you back, and we're gonna have you back on. Yeah. Every, every... You know, once it's kind of an honorary thing. It's like once you've been a guest on the show about whatever it is that you do, we may ask you to come back and talk about. Hot, you know Harryhausen yeah oh, or, or we love that oh we could spend an hour on Harryhausen oh yeah, I think we spent two before but we could <laughs> we, we'll spend, readdress we, it dude yeah. we could spend a year on Harryhausen <laughs> well, hey, all man, right you, you guys kicked total ass we really enjoyed this oh thank you awesome um, thank you yeah and like I say we'll have you back on we are going to take a break and we'll be back in a second check out this baseline
So we're back. That was awesome. It always is awesome. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it, that was great. I love the the opportunity to sit at accomplished people's knees and and just to listen, not only to what they have to say, but also I find that I get you get an idea of the perspective by what they say, and right. I think that the professional um, demeanor is something that not many people talk about. Um, in art, but how important it is to... Well, one of the things that I love about talking to folks like these guys is that um, so often as a fan, you it's easy to elevate them, and mm-hmm. and it's great to hear that they're just like you. They're fanboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah like and, and they start Not the in a bad way. connotation of fanboy, but right. yeah. Yeah. I've I've said it before, and it's I, it's been borne out for twenty years of of interviewing people, and that is find the thing that that person geeks on. Yeah, and uh, they'll like we did a thing back in another podcast I did with Ron Perlman, and we started to talk about Billy Wilder, which I didn't expect, but he was geeking hard on Billy Wilder, and, yeah, yeah. and it was like. You know, so when the allotted time comes and goes and they're still talking, it's like, wow, yeah. you know, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's great. Moving on to second hour stuff. Um, just a couple of deaths, but they were big ones this year, uh, this this week. Um, Robert Guillaume, who a lot of young people don't remember, yeah. but he was on Soap and he was on Benson. Yeah, same was, character. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and he was uh, Rafiki, I want to say, in Lion King. He was big... Um, uh, Broadway actor as well, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Fats Domino, right? Who is one of those performers who I mentioned Fats Domino and everyone nods and goes, uh huh, uh-huh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. but then um, when I knew we were going to talk about him, I went through a lot of the quote unquote hits, like a greatest hits kind of thing, right? And it's like. Wow, yeah. wow, 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 wow. Exactly. It was just one iconic I, song. After I heard another. something recently. Uh, uh, some folks were interviewing Neil Sedaka. Oh, yeah. Um, and and the topic was, what what makes a song um, classic? Uh-huh. And, and, and the big topic was, um, are, is there stuff being made now? So So, for example... You hear Calendar Girls. Uh-huh. Even though you may not have been alive when Calendar Girls was being played on the radio as, right. a, as a hit, you know Calendar Girls, sure. and it makes you smile. And yeah. and and it, it still gets used in, in commercials, um, yeah. commercials and, and well, it's shows. Like how, without really trying, you know all the Beatles songs. Right, exactly. Yeah. Even yeah. the deep cuts, you... you if you're aware, yeah, you you've heard them all. Yeah, exactly. And Fats Domino is one of those guys Absolutely. where it's like everything that that he did was at a time when it was hard to be a black man in yeah. America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and to be iconic, become iconic like that, um, just amazing. And then you think about, um, but the, especially in light of a lot of what's been going on, you know, in, in this country, is that you know. 
the the racism people like him and like imagine the racism Ray Charles faced on sure. a daily basis. Sure, sure. Um, Louis Armstrong and all that other stuff, and it's it's amazing to look at to think of all that, and then to look at like in Fats Domino's case, this generally positive out output. Um, pretty amazing stuff. I I also heard something recently that I thought was really interesting. People were talking about the most shocking moments mm -hmm. in, in in popular music and rock and roll. Mm -hmm. And uh the folks that were talking were were making the case for Little Richard. Sure. Little Richard was probably they they couldn't think of a more shocking moment than this gay man, mm -hmm. this gay black man who <laughs> is is you know singing like a, a, a aggressively yeah. about sex yeah. in, in a time when America was so um, closed. Well, this was before the right to marry. Yeah, exactly. Kind of right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's and uh, and, uh, and I, I think they made a good argument. I, it's hard to think of something more shocking. Like, we, you know, everything else that came afterwards that might be more shocking behavior, mm -hmm. Ozzy biting the head off of a bat or whatever, whatever it might be, at that point, we were all jaded, and and yeah. and and this this guy that just kind of this this black Liberace that just kind of like exploded, you know, exploded yeah, and yeah. was unrepentant about about who he was, yeah, and, and um, about his music, and yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's see, moving on a couple a couple of things I want to follow up on about Halloween. Um, every year, Heidi Klum kind of wins Halloween. Right. Um, this year, she went as the werewolf Michael Jackson. Yeah. And that was fucking incredible. It was nuts. Yeah, exactly. I don't. And she must pay. She pays top dollar to I, have this happen. Uh, yeah, you know? I can't imagine. And at this point, I also think that for a lot of effects houses, this is kind of a this portfolio is a, uh, piece. Yeah, exactly. It's a supplemental. Uh, it's as we've talked about before. There, are, there are all these other avenues now for these. Um, Affects makeup artists mm -hmm. uh, besides the movies. Yeah, um, yeah and yeah. Uh, there were whole companies. Laura Shrewsbury, who was a past guest, uh, worked set mentioned working for a company who does they do events. So it's like they design things for like it's a whatever the theme is. If it's a tiki thing, everyone's in right. grass skirts or whatever else. Right. And they're doing the same thing with effects people. You know, people being hired to do this sure. type of thing. Um, the other two things that I thought one kind of one Halloween was one was um, Bruce Willis and his assistant as the two as the twins from The Shining. Yeah. Him walking around in a in a gingham dress was yeah. a little bizarre. <laughs> Hilarious, and you can see that he was having a good time. Yeah. And then the other one that I absolutely loved, Gwyneth Paltrow went around with a box around her head, so it was open in the front, and so she went. She was her character from Seven, <laughs> and all it was was a cardboard box around her head. Jumps in the box. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> that sort of self-aware thing. I don't. I'm not a Paltrow fan by any stretch. I think she's kind of a kook, but um. Credit where credits due. Sure, yeah, sure. that that was thinking. I, I'm I'm going to beat my drum, uh, my own drum a little bit, and and just talk real briefly about Bleeding. Ham oh yeah, yeah, year. yeah. Uh, Bleeding Ham was fantastic. We had the the night gallery. Um, we had the we sold out both theaters for the showing. Um, the films look amazing. Yeah, every year um, they get better. And, yeah, and so I I was really 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 pleased with the whole nice the whole weekend. 
We still have one more showing to do. Uh The encore showing um, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night? Yeah. Here in town? Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Uh, Let's see. We'll go through these pretty quick. Fox has ordered a second season of The Orville. The Seth MacFarlane. Right, which I've not checked out. Everyone's telling me it's better than the Star Trek series. Yeah. You know, know, it gets it. It's very next generation. When I first saw the, you know, when we first started looking at the trailers for the Orville, mm-hmm. I was kind of like, eh. Yeah. Uh, but I keep hearing that it's great, so. Yeah, everything, everyone's telling me that you have to stick with it after, you know, the, beyond the first episode, and the idea that it is a definite next generation vibe, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's funny, and, you know, um, where I think this new Discovery thing is is being played pretty serious. Sure. You know, I don't see a Tribble episode in, no. their, in their future. <laughs> um, Jor- it seems that Jordan Peele, who did Get Out, right. is being looked to as some savior of television. Um, he's got uh, multiple um, series or shows going with HBO and Showtime, and now uh, they're looking to him to reboot Twilight Zone for CBS. Huh. Um, it's never worked before. They've tried to reboot Twilight Zone a couple times. Sure. Um, I think unless you're you can clone Rod Serling, I don't think it's going to happen again. I think it's always going to be. I don't know. Although with the success of things like Black Mirror, I was just going to say Black Mirror. Yeah, that maybe maybe if you. But you're not going to get edgy on CBS, right? Where you need. Black Mirror is edgy. Yeah, Black Mirror is very edgy. I mean, yeah. first episode, the guy fucks the pig. Right, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I would have loved to have been in that pitch meeting, right? <laughs> All right, so we've got this prime minister, see? Yeah. And we've got this pig. <laughs> <laughs> and the pig's got an influential agent. And it's not. <laughs> anyway, um, this is weird. Tarantino's doing this Manson bio. Right. The names that are floating around right now are, I guess, as Manson, Leonardo DiCaprio, or Brad Pitt, um, and then he's talking to Margot Robbie to probably to be one of the... That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's Tarantino, so a lot of it could be just put up so that his name stays in the paper. Sure. He's pretty good about doing that kind uh, it's, of stuff. It's, you know, having said that, both DiCaprio and Pitt are great actors. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. It seems like every bio that gets brought up, people mention DiCaprio. Yeah, and I'm, I missed the boat on that. I don't see him as you know this great act. You know, well, actor. you He's know, I, it, it's it's it's. I think it's um. Well, one, The Revenant was great. Sure. Uh, two. Um, I've always thought that his his portrayal of Howard Hughes in the Aviator oh, sure, was, yeah. was was yeah. great. So I I think it's it's there. I mean mm-hmm. I think it's possible. And he's worked with Tarantino before in Django and Chains. Yeah, and he was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what was uh what was the who I I, I forget the actor's name now. Who played Manson in Helter Skelter on the TV? Oh, Steve Rellsback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Uh, that is great, and he did a great job. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. really, I, I think he really captured the spirit of Manson. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know. I, you know, I, I guess it depends on what, what the movie is. Right. Is it, is it, 
is it just a, a, a timeline of events that happen? It is sounds it? like it, but it's Tarantino, so who the hell knows? It yeah, could be broken up. It, it, it could, could be, be weird, yeah. mementoized or whatever else. It's, kind of, it's just kind of weird. Um, Amazon is talking about doing a Lord of the Rings series. It's so bizarre. I don't like, get I, it. Well, I mean, I get it. I, I, what they want is Game of Thrones. Right, exactly. We all know that Game of Thrones is, is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're the guys in the suits, you, you're... We you're, like that revenue stream. Your take, yeah, your yeah, takeaway yeah, yeah. is people like fantasy. Mm-hmm. So we're looking for the next... But for Lord of the Rings, I mean, like... Dude, there's... Are you, there more no. stories there's to tell? The, well, I mean, they, like, they've done everything, I think, except the Silmarian, which isn't really a narrative. No. So... It's, that's you know, a slog to yeah, read through. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's it's more like the appendices to the, the Lord of the Rings. It's well, like what I imagine is, is another book. hobbit who f- has this other thing, this enchanted yeah. bracelet or, you know, whatever. It's all going to be sort of... Uh, it's uh, like when it's like when people started writing uh, the fantasy after after Lord of the Rings, Dragonlance, and and all that kind of sure. stuff. Sure, you know. Oh, and, sure. And uh, uh, obviously, there's a huge market for it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Um, yeah. But I I don't know. I know it it, it makes me scratch my head. Um, and who knows? It's Amazon, so you know. I don't. I, I'm not really. Um, Lord of the Rings with the uh, sexual content and the violence of Game of Thrones. Okay, <laughs> sign me up. Hobbits know? getting their swerve on. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We kind of had that with Tyrion. All right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, AMC says that Walking Dead could continue. Quote for decades. And you know what? <laughs> I got a nickel that says I beg to differ. <laughs> I think people are leaving that show in droves. I think they've they've dicked around long enough with Negan and all that other stuff. Um, I just don't think I don't I don't see the 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 intense interest on social media that I did six months ago. Sure, sure. So I I don't think so. I I you know, but I was just gonna say I think people are sick of. Um, zombies. Yeah. At the same time, I've thought that for years, and right. and so. Well, I think they're sick of the same old zombies. Yeah. I'm kind of banking on that with this book I'm writing. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea that uh, uh, that I think anything can be re redone and re- be redone originally and re spark that interest. What about this? What about what about the the Let's let's take let's take for granted that the zombie apocalypse is is the result of a virus. Sure. Okay. What if that virus is on another planet? All right. You know, I, I actually it, read something about this about this plague being used to eradicate the population, so that when the alien that spawned the the plague can can come in and yeah, it, to, it's it's yeah. like mowing a a field down and so you don't I don't have to go there and mow it myself right, I can right. just send this thing in. and so yeah I think that's a that, yeah, that, that would works. be an interesting thing uh, Dick Cavett just uh, donated what was they said was 
hundreds if not thousands of hours of interviews um, of videotape of him interviewing like Groucho and back in the day and John Lennon and all. He was one of those first people that would stuff bring that stuff that didn't make it to the show. Not only that, but also the shows themselves. Mm-hmm. Like here's my entire video library to the Smithsonian. That's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, it's interesting to go back and watch. Uh, uh, interviews with people like Milton Berle and now yeah. being able to contextualize it. I remember my parents trying to explain to me the difference between Dick Cavett and Johnny Carson and they failed miserably. Uh, I think Cavett's more sarcastic than, than Carson. Was. Well, and Carson... Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a different audience. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like um, William F. Buckley and Mark... Um, and, um, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, Charlie Rose. I, I I hate to say it, but it, it's a, uh, a more intelligent audience. Yeah, you know. I think I, so. I think, so. Yeah. I think it was more. It was less entertainment and more mm-hmm. uh, actual content. Yeah, let's let's dive deep with this person. Right. right. And the other thing I loved, and I, I just mentioned it before, but it kind of what some of the things that another guy, Mike Douglas, used to do. You would get these odd pairings. Right, you know, you know yeah. um, uh, Carson did it too. Iggy Pop and Doris Day. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's one uh, Carson where it was I want to say Richard Pryor and Betty Davis right. on a couch together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, dude. Well, yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I love, and I mentioned this on the show before, but I love the idea of the old John Favreau dinner for five. I love the idea of orchestrating a dinner party that has five people you know are all interesting that don't know each other and you right. put them in a room together and just watch yeah. how it happens and it's it's uh, it's fascinating to me it goes back to what I've said about interesting people this is, seems redundant but interesting people saying interesting things is interesting yeah and t- modern television doesn't get that yeah so yeah. moving on real briefly favorite uh, talk show ever uh, Mike Douglas. Mike Douglas. Mike Douglas put Frank Zappa on for a week. Wow. He had guest hosts for a week. Wow. One, there's a whole week of shows you can find on YouTube where his guest host is John and Yoko, mm-hmm. and they're performing and and they're every day they're sitting there. And then when Betty Day or Milton Berle comes, you feel out, like you get now, to you get to know the people by the end. Yeah, of the yeah. Week. And yeah. there were these live like there's a great live performance of it's Frank Zappa and some band standing on stage performing black napkins to an audience of mostly blue-haired old ladies. Right, yeah. And it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is probably um, The Tomorrow Show with oh, Tom yeah. Snyder. Yeah. Just, yeah. I I don't know. I just I, used to always think, that theater, that, that studio has to just stink. Stink like bourbon <laughs> and sweat and smoke and... Yeah, yeah, and they were fat. It was fascinating television back in the day when you looked like. Remember, he interviewed Manson at one yeah. point, and that was bananas. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, moving on. Uh, Ron Howard has reportedly reshot eighty percent of this Han Solo movie. Eighty okay. percent. Yeah. Wow. So, like, he they must have scrapped everything except for establishing shots. Uh, again, like we talked about before, it it really goes to show that the these properties um, are they're they're the studio's properties. Mm-hmm. They're not the director's properties. Yeah, I think and capital A art 
as far as the director goes, yeah. goes right out the window. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. You, Once you sign on to these, and Ron Howard is perfect for this. Yeah, you know, if anyone can step in, forge order out of chaos, and do exactly what the studio wants, yeah, it's Ron Howard. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hunter S. Thompson bio coming to Epics. Which I don't know what that means. Whether mm. it's going to be a documentary because it's epics. It there's be been a, there's been several documentaries. Lots uh, of documentaries. Lots of documentaries. Um, two films: Where the Buffalo Roam and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Right. It'd be interesting to see a, for lack of a better word, straight mm-hmm. biopic of, mm-hmm. of Hunter S. Thompson, mm-hmm. um, because both Where the Buffalo Roam and um, Fear and Loathing yeah. in Las Vegas are very much of the spirit of, of his whole gonzo thing. Um, it'd be interesting to see. Well, I'd love to see them address with Thompson at the point at which he he knew what that people... Ex- they, they didn't expect Hunter Thompson. They expected Dr. Gonzo. Right. You know, so exactly. he would put the bucket hat on and the aviators and the and the, and the uh, and he would always use the uh, mouthpiece, the cigarette to, piece, to, to some extent playing a character. Very much so. Yeah. Every those latter day performances on things like Letterman, it was definitely Hunter being what yeah. people expected him to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I think I mentioned it before, but Esquire did a piece on him once where they sent a guy and the guy spent 24 hours with him and in the course of the interview he uh, in the, for a separate interview just documented what Thompson put into his body right. on a daily basis right Jeez. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah so it's, it's you think it's almost a joke yeah um, and then you realize it's not yeah I, I'm down because I'm a big Hunter Thompson guy now because but I was going to mention it later um, I watched a documentary this week called For No Good Reason um, it's it's Ralph, John, Stedman. Ralph Stedman and Johnny Depp in a room while Ralph Stedman paints yeah and it's fascinating yeah 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 it's it's really something um, well worth checking out um, let's see Jet Li's doing a movie called Gong Shu Dao, um, Guardians of Martial Arts. And it features, listen to this, Sammo Hung, Donnie Yen, Jet Li, Yun Wu Ping, Tony Ja, Wu Jing, and Zhu Ming. Yeah. It's like a who's who of martial arts movie greats. Yeah, I don't uh, see Jackie, which I would have loved to see Jackie in there. Right, I'd love right, to right. see, I'm, you know, as I think of it. I'm kind of I'm kind of out when it comes to names, you know. After these well, guys, there's well, so many. I don't know what it. I, I I wish I knew. I don't know whatever happened to Yin Biao. Yeah. Who we talked about before Lots that, of times, that like, yeah. like who never got his never really got his due. As Red Buttons would say, never got a dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, dang it, now I can't remember his name. Yun. Um, yeah, I, uh, the 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 skinny one of the of the <laughs> the seven lucky stars. Yeah, um, who um, has played villains in a lot of Sammo Hung and Jackie Chan movies. Um, but uh, but anyway, those all those guys. Um, I, I, sign me up. I mean, yeah. like I I I'm I'm interested in in what. What do you do with all these guys? Because you, generally, these guys do their own thing. Right. Um, well, it sounds like uh, it's being presented... What I saw was a long 
sort of panoramic picture, and they were all sort of they're almost like character banners that you see yeah. now with the Marvel. It films. reminded me of the uh, the action hero, the eighties action hero movie. What the hell yeah. was that? With I don't know. Stallone and oh, Expendables. The, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. kind of like that. It, it, it For a while, there was a lot of that stuff. I remember there was an Expendables of horror that was someone was working <laughs> on, and there was an all female Expendables. Right. And it's like yeah, okay. The Expendables. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was that. It was like Cynthia Rothrock. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Who's on, who's really big on social media, I found. Oh, really? Um, Cynthia Rothrock. Yeah. yeah, You can find her. She's just come back from Africa. It's, you know, family photos and stuff. It's really bizarre. Okay. Um, Do you remember Starry Eyes? The film Starry Eyes. It was released last year. Mm. Directors Dennis Widmeyer and Kevin Kolsch. They're remaking Pet Cemetery. Why? I don't know. I, I don't know. It just Pet Cemetery. Okay, well, first of all, Pet Cemetery is a great book, mm-hmm. um, and it's a good movie. It is I, a good I, movie. I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but it's a good movie. It's like there's such iconography in it. You know, man, Fred Gage. Wynn is so good in it. Yeah. Oh, oh Gage. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That kid. Still the gives the me one the people freaks. don't talk about in that movie is what was his name? Victor Pankow, the bicyclist. Yeah, the makeup on that guy was so creepy, was so good. And um, and the the sister still haunts my dreams. Yeah, you know the I want to say it was in Amanda Plummer, but the infirmed sister who had scoliosis. Yes. and whatever else. Oh my god, so scary, so scary, and so real. Yeah, King himself said that that book was really hard for him. Well, you know, I mean, the goal of that book, he says, was to come up with the most frightening thing as a parent you could think of. Sure. And, uh... And that... Dude, it's, it's, it's hard. That's a hard... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe, you know, I don't know that we need to make it necessarily grittier. I don't know that we need to make it. But if we're going to make it, I'd like to see more of that explored yeah. more of the the father's pain and that kind of thing as sure. opposed to it just being the the movie that's out now the that's Mary the only, Harrington movie the, is, it's kind of a spook show that's the only thing that can make it um uh that's the only thing that can that can make that premise even possible mm-hmm. is is that you are so racked with pain and loss and mourning that you would you would do that. Yeah, you, yeah. you would just like... It's I, the idea of the... It's other. like, I know they're going to come back fucked up. He <laughs> knows they're anyway. going to come back fucked up. But yeah. you do it anyways yeah, because yeah, you yeah. miss them so bad. It's that... Uh, the idea... Push to the point where the unthinkable becomes thinkable. Yeah. And they're, they're in... That, that's, your, that's your film. Yeah. Not a spooky kid running around mm. with a razor. Right, exactly. Um, anyway. Uh, coming to TV... I don't get this. Nightbreed, a Nightbreed series. Uh, Nightbreed and Dead Ringers. And right? Dead Ringers, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't I, don't I don't know. I don't know that we're we need a fucked up gynecologist series on TV. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I've talked about this before. Like I I love the idea of Nightbreed, and I hated the designs of Nightbreed. Yeah, we talked about this on the uh, yeah, Barker show. Yeah, I, 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 I Midian. It's right yeah. down the road. You take a left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and so I get it. It seems to be that way where people try to they they try to launch a sequel. If that doesn't work, they try to launch a remake. If that doesn't work, 
TV series. Well, I think this. I think this smells of this whole '80s nostalgia thing that we're experiencing. Yeah, yeah, right yeah, 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 yeah. Remember that half-baked film you kind of liked back in the '80s? Right, exactly. Well, we've got 13 episodes of. Uh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see, *Lethal Weapon* five with Danny Glover and Mel Gibson. Okay. And then I was so like I'm I'm against this. Of course I'm against this. I just I was I was making a joke about Lethal Weapon Five. We are are officially too old for this shit. But um, there's already a TV series on with right. Damon Wayans yeah. and some some dude. It looks like yeah. like the guy from nice. Iron Fist. But <laughs> uh, and it's it's what it is. Um, and I just don't see the point. I don't I mean, either, Gibson's yeah. doing something. Danny Glover could use the work, I guess. You know. Yeah, but I just, I don't, I don't. I, I know. know. Moving on. Tilda Swinton talked about the Suspiria remake. By the way, I saw a commercial for Lyft the other day. With Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton and, and, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. How many zeros did that check have I don't on it? know. Like, that's yeah. the first thing I thought of, It too. just seems like, weird. Although, big stars doing commercials in Japan is no big deal. Right. Look up look up Japanese commercials, big whatever, big stars and stuff, and you'll see right, yeah. De Niro, Marlon Brando. The one that immediately comes to mind is Arnold Schwarzenegger doing yeah. the energy drink stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, now, granted, that was a few years ago. Um yeah, I just... I, it was weird. It was it was odd. Here's what she said about the Suspiria remake. Quote, it's a completely different film. Like, she was... They were asking her about the visual style, and she's like, oh, yeah, well, we're not going to go anywhere near that. <laughs> this is a completely different film. That's what that film's all about. That was is the point <laughs> of it all. Yeah, I just think... Oh, yeah. oh, that almost sounds like you're dis- trying to distance yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> like I didn't know the the. I just saw that they they we had talked maybe a year or two ago about them remaking Inside the French film. Yeah, it's out. <laughs> no one cared, <laughs> and I just wish they would learn that lesson. The same thing with that Martyrs reboot. Right. No one cared. Yeah. Um. You won't care about this. Bad Boys. The Bad Boys, Will Smith, Martin Lawrence thing. Sure. This, this seems to be another trend. Um, television spinoff with Gabrielle Union. So, genre flipped Bad Boys. Yeah. 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 Uh, the only thing I have good to say about... Bad Boys was Bad Boys 2 and the inclusion of Henry Rollins as a, right. as, as, a as their instructor. Yeah, it's all, so yeah. much of it is, yeah. is it's, well they've been trying to do this Bad Boys 3 forever and again since that's not working no one's lining up to fund that. Why don't why, I, why don't they understand that after a certain point people don't care. Yeah they don't care. They don't care. They, and, and there's a the familiarity there, but remember, familiarity breeds contempt. Exactly. <laughs> and like after after a while, it's like no. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Fox is gender swapping twenty four. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. Sure. Why not? Why not? Why not? Um, uh, do they call it forty two? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, 42 hours. And then, you know, somebody would get mad because... Sure. Yeah. 
<laughs> what is this? The Ted V. Michaels It's just stupid. It's 44 double D. Man, yeah. I horrible. Miss, I miss Ted V. Michaels. <laughs> Ted V. Michaels. <laughs> Such an unabashed love for shit. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, this you will be interested in. They're coming out with a book Mark Frost is writing called Twin Peaks, The Final Dossier. It's already out, sir. Is it? Yep, it's already out. And supposedly it helps tie up some of the loose ends that the series has. Sure, it my does. only My only issue with that is, like, if you did it right... You don't need a book to tie it up, right? <laughs> I know. What do I do? What are you assigning me homework now to go figure out your... Sh- yeah. Yeah. It just seems weird. That said, I love Mark Frost. Mark Frost is great. And, and I got to tell you that uh, that Secret History of Twin Peaks, the book that came out mm-hmm. at the same time the new show was coming out, uh, is... I mean, if, if you're a Twin Peaks fan, it's fascinating. You could spend... You know, you read it once, and you could go back and leak through. It's it's like a reference manual. Sure. Right? So if you're in that world and you're in that that mythos, yeah, absolutely. And and so I have no doubt that Twin Peaks fans are going to eat this up. Or oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've mentioned on the show before, but Mark Frost has two books: um, Six Messiahs and The List of Seven. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. And and I don't understand why these haven't been made into at least a film. Along the same lines of like Caleb Carr's The Alienist, which is getting its own series yeah. on TNT. And so which, which I'm excited about. I am too. Yeah. Um, again, Victorian CSI. Yeah. I'm Fuck down. Yeah. I'm totally down. There's but, a, by uh, the way, the, 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 the follow-up to that book, Angel of Darkness... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it didn't get the same acclaim that the, that the first book did, but it's really good. It is, yeah. yeah. He's one of those guys. When you read The Alienist, you you kind of know whatever else that guy's written is going to be solid, yeah. Because there's such an attention to detail, yeah. and um, yeah. Uh, this is kind of weird. Um, friend of the show, both Leon Marcello and uh, Sean Lewis. Yeah. Uh, I came upon a. Uh, YouTube channel for a little TV YouTube show mm-hmm. called the Giallo Room that this guy does. Uh-huh. The show's you can find it on YouTube, and it's it's kind of dopey. Um, the, the guy's in a trench coat and a hat, and mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. But he talks a lot about Giallos and, and that kind of thing. So he's right like, away, he's like a horror host for Giallos. Kinda. Yeah. 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 The shows are about eight to ten minutes long, mm-hmm. and he he'll review certain you know films or whatever but he mentioned a name Luciano Onebi and um, uh, which sparked my interest I went out and found he has three films out I mentioned Leon and Sean because I sent the links to them and I go have you heard of these guys and um, they had said no the three films are What the Waters Left Sono Profundo and uh, the newest film is called Francesca and uh Man, do they look cool? They yeah. look like modern day giallos in the same so way. So this that, is this is somebody making yeah, these like, movies they're now. They're like 2016. I think Fra- Francesca oh, is 2016. Okay, okay. They're a little shot on high def D- digital. Yeah. Um, so they don't have that film sure, look. Sure. But God damn it, it, what I saw. Look them up on YouTube. Um, uh, uh, especially Francesca. Uh, it is. It's like um, a mare uh, that that sort of like clearly these guys are steeped in in giallo. Sure. Um, and I'm kind of stoked about it. Um, so Very hopefully, cool. if anyone knows a way that I can see these movies, please let me know. 
Uh, moving on to trailers, um, managed to keep it to a dozen. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, even though it's because of the scheduling of Giovanni last week, we it's, it's we've been apart like nine days or something like yeah. that. But I I'm trying to streamline these amount of sure. people. But moving through these pretty quick. Number one, wait for your laugh. It's a documentary on the life of Rosemary. Probably the most uh, excited out of this crop of trailers that I am to yeah, see. Yeah, I. I had heard her discussed on Gilbert's show a couple times, but I didn't know I wanted this, but I want this really totally. bad. It, totally. This is this looks amazing. Um, for listeners of the show, if you don't know who Rosemary mm-hmm. was, um, I guess the, the easiest... The the go to is Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke show, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was it was more she was more important than that in that she was a child star at right. the time. She was four. She was the biggest star, right. you know, in in recording. Yeah, um, she's been in everything. She was mobbed up big time, which is which is a lot of comedians at the time were, and it discusses this whole time in the thirties, forties, fifties, and sixties. Yeah, um, she's in her nineties now. She's still alive. Yeah. Um, She's and, on Twitter, and she's great. Yeah, I, it, like if you if you're unfamiliar with her work, she is one. She's hilarious. Two, she's smart. Yeah. Three, she's a firecracker. Yeah, she is. And in the '60s, when the Dick Van Dyke Show was was on, mm-hmm. she was a woman. A who was working. B was not like, hey, get me some coffee, uh, uh, doll. Right. Um, she was in there. She was every bit the equal of Maury Amsterdam and Dick Van Dyke. She right. was in many ways funnier than those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and she was a woman, and it was the sixties. Yeah. So, yeah. She uh, wait for your laugh. It just opened in selected film festivals this weekend. Um, the response has been phenomenal. It, it looks fantastic. Any anybody who cares should should definitely check it out. Absolutely. Uh, Thing called Phantom Thread, supposedly the last film of Daniel Daniel Day, Day Lewis. Lewis. Um, I, I, I'm uh, one Oscar bait, as mm-hmm. all of his films are. Um, I don't I, I don't say that. I always think the word the term Oscar bait is like has a, a negative. Negative, but, con- yeah. But it's not. It, it 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 is just that type of movie, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it looks great. I mean, I you know, it's not my genre it's right. not what i'm into it's not quite a uh um it's very interesting yeah the idea that this guy is a s- um seamstress for one of the best yeah whatever the male equivalent of that is right um but he would stitch little things in to the things he was into, making yeah into the 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 like in the garment, there would be a little slip of cloth with a heart embroidered on right. it. Right, he would put little only he knew about it into yeah. the clothes. Yeah, I think what we're going to see is a. If I'm going to make a guess on this film, it's going to be a developing love relationship between him and this woman, this particular model. Who's, yeah, yeah. Model and I, I, I get the feeling there's something that's standing in the way. Yeah, and I don't know what that is. Yeah. Um, but well, we'll at, at one point during the trailer, is like he's like, you know, do you need to know everything? Like, mm-hmm. and she's like, yes. You yeah, know, it's yeah. Like, I wonder about that. Whether he's it's... one, he he is about secrets and hiding things. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, she, yeah. Any, Anyway, but it, it looks cool. Looks good. And I agree yeah. with you. I think it is Oscar bait. I yeah. think it is, it is Daniel Day Lewis going like, I'm going to do this, and then I'm out of here. And for a guy like Daniel Day Lewis, who's so 
for want of a better word, method, where he really becomes that right. character, uh, it's got to be exhausting. Yeah. And at some point you go, I think I have enough money that I'm good, yeah. and I don't want to do that to myself anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when he was doing the uh, boxing movie, he went out and learned how to box. Right, exactly. He's, he's you know, he's always been so selective. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he, he he's not Michael Caine. Yeah, oh no. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. But I'm, I'm interested. I am interested in this. Yeah. Uh, next up, this is Mudbound. It's a Netflix thing. A racial tension in post-World War II. Yeah, and it looks great. I, I want to say we've seen a, an earlier trailer for this. We might have. Um, but it does look great. Um, it, 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 it speaks to all of Langley's buttons. I mean, it's like we're in the South. Mm -hmm. the, the music is, is, is Straight indicative of it. And, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's dealing with um, it's dealing with racial tensions, right? Uh, but the, the idea that there's no you know there's no race they used to say there's no atheists in foxholes, right? But there's exactly. also no race in in foxholes, right? Exactly. And coming back to a racially divided country when you've yeah. been you know you know the what there, that, you know what there is in foxholes having been in a foxhole gender yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that does not go away. In fact, that's amplified when you're in a foxhole with somebody. The but the idea that um, you the only imagine you're you you return home to a world that is racially divided. Right. But the only person that understands what you've been through right is, is the person, person on the other, the other side. side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, I grew up in, for this next one, small little thing, I grew up in San Jose, California, where the Winchester Mystery House was. Yeah. New movie coming out, Winchester, the house that ghosts built. It looks great. Really? I think so. <laughs> I think it does. Well, okay. Let me back up. I did not grow up there. Right, 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 So, right. for me, it's always been this kind of like, ooh. Ooh, yeah. yeah you know. Yeah. And so, anything about it looks great to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's got uh, Ellen Mirren, Helen Mirren. Right. Um, uh, it looks like a spook show. And as opposed to a woman who was plagued by guilt. Right. Because she, she felt like... The reason why the house was built the way it was was because she feared the ghosts of the people killed by the Winchester guns would come and find her. Right, exactly. It's it, it's it's very interesting. If you're not familiar with the story, you should definitely check it out. Yeah, because it's, it's the, cool. The house is crazy. They do night tours of the house. Yeah, which are great. There are like there are like stairwells that go nowhere. Mm -hmm. Doors that open up to nothing. Yeah, to it, brick walls. It's insane. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really nuts. cool. Yeah. And it kept people, workers in the area. So what I'm hoping is that I'm hoping that it's not just a ghost story, mm -hmm. and that it, it that it does speak to this woman dealing with, yeah, exactly like you said, guilt. Mm -hmm. You know that 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 uh, that she somehow benefited from this. Because um, you you. You've got to leg up because your your fucking location because they shot in the house. Right, exactly. Your location is unlike anything else in the world. Yeah, and I just hope they take advantage of it and yeah. don't turn it into a kind right. of a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, this next thing, I don't even know what to say about it. I Tanya, the story of Tanya Harding with Marco <laughs> Roby. At first, I think this is exploitation bullshit, and I don't need any part of it. Right. But it's got this weird edge to it. Well. You know, I mean, 
there's definitely a National Enquirer aspect yeah. to oh, it, yeah. as that whole story did. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of a Jerry Springer-esque. Um, yeah. And I like that they break the fourth wall where the characters look directly at the camera and talk about what they were thinking. Right. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, I... Yeah, I don't know. I I I, I guess if you're interested, mm-hmm. um, I'm not. If you're into Margaret Robbie looking, doing her, you know, her yeah. monster thing, that yeah, yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of, I'm going to be ugly for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess some of the skating is cool. Uh, if it, if this for me, it's something like, hey, this this is on, and I'm too lazy to find the. It remote. reminds me. It sure. reminds me of like, uh, what was the movie that Val Kilmer was in about the. Wonderland. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's this kind of sorted piece of history, and uh, we're going to do our own riff on it. It's kind of like a Law and Order torn from the headlines yeah. kind of a film. I, I almost would rather watch a documentary about yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, up next, sci-fi thing it looks like. It's called Radius. Seems to be like a guy who drains the energy or something yeah like he's an energy vampire yeah yeah people get around him they die it's interesting in 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 that it looks like that they're dealing with how it's affecting him Mm -hmm. right you know like he's he's freaking the fuck out you know right and and uh and that's kind of cool i I like that idea um uh i also like that they don't they don't go too deep into it. It's like, right. here's some weird shit that's going on and that's just enough. Yep. We don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's up to you to watch the but movie. But here's how we're dealing with it. Yeah. 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 Uh, up next, um, another Netflix movie slash series called Godless uh, about a small mining town in the Old West where yeah. there's a cave-in and all of the men in town are killed. Yeah. And now there's a town full of women who have to defend themselves against, in a kind of seven samurai kind of way. Right, exactly. Against encroaching bad guys. Banditos. Yeah. yeah. And it looks, you know, Jesus, it just looks like you you can't walk through that idea without tripping over all the female empowerment. Yeah. There's a line in the trailer where it's like, you know, well, the, the woman says, well, we ain't fucking, you know, yeah. fucking around here kind yeah. of a thing. And um, I'm interested. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, no, I'm always it, interested. It, in it definitely movies. looks cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I like that we're we're getting more of this kind of stuff. Right. Um, next up, a comedy called Pottersville. That is a who's who. Ron Perlman's in it. Tom Lennon's in it. Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon's in it. Who yeah. just seems to be doing all sorts of stuff yeah. these days. It's. I mean, it. I, it looks great. I it mean, looks it looks like a feels like a Cohen film. Yeah, it does. It feels like a Cohen film, and it's a. I. I love it. Okay, what made me fall in love with it was they're talking about hunting Sasquatch. Yeah. And there's a quint scene. Right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, guy yeah, reaches yeah. up and he's like... Uh, Ian McShane. Drags, Ian McShane. Drags his nails down the chalkboard to get everybody's attention. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, you yeah, got yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, Ron Perlman being utterly goofy in yeah. this. Um, yeah, it looks great. It looks great. Uh, I, I, I'm excited. Absolutely to see it. hilarious. Next up, um, sort what I got from this trailer for a film called The Strange Ones was Brothers on a run, on the Run. Something about there's been some instance and these guys are on the run, especially the older brother. Right. It has something to do with people dying in a fire. But he also talks about the manipulation of rea- excuse me about of reality. Right. Have no idea what's going on. I don't know. But it's really kind of mysterious and 
borderline interesting. I've watched all of these, and for some reason, that one is not registering. It's the at little all. kid and their brother, and they're in their diner. And oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but it, there's lots of scene of the kid looking at something, and right. then the image changing to be everything's on fire or whatever else. Right. So it implies this ability to manipulate reality with his mind. It, it, I'm probably wrong on that. Well, it, it, it's either that or or it's you know just some weird mindfuck movie like Memento, you know. Like, right, right. Uh, next up, kind of a documentary called True Hallucinations. It's Jim Carrey talking okay, about Terrence McKenna. So this this drives me nuts because that same footage of yeah. Jim Carrey talking was used for the. The other thing... The, the movie about him and his relationship with Andy Kaufman. Yeah, well, I think they were recorded around the same... Because it's Jim Carrey with the big beard. Yeah, it, it's the same interview. He's saying the same things. Jim, how would you start this movie? And I'm just like, wait a minute. Like, yeah. what, what how movie weird does this, is this footage And what does to? any of this have to do with Terrence McKenna? Yeah. You know, where it, I, I had heard... I get the feeling that, that these guys fucking ripped off that footage. <laughs> well, I had heard that Jim Carrey was doing this Terrence McKenna bio, uh-huh. and uh, and I thought that that was coming down the pike, but then this thing shows up, because supposedly he grew the big beard, because McKenna had a big beard, and he yeah. was going to be Terrence McKenna, who's a big psychonaut, if you don't know who Terrence it's, McKenna it's, is. It's, it, the movie's about... Um, uh, hallucinogenics. Yeah, my guess is that it's how hallucinogenics can change one's overall perspective. Right. That's what it looks like. I mean, it looks kind of like it looks. It looks to me kind of like a documentary about that mm-hmm. uh, psychotronic uh, substances with this bookend of Jim Carrey. Yeah, you talking. know Jim Carrey, right? You don't know Terrence McKenna from shit, but you know Jim Carrey. You know Jim Carrey, and Jim Carrey's fits right in because yeah. he's as of late he's talking a lot of that I'm just I'm stuff. really interested to see yeah. if that footage is belongs to this movie <laughs> or if it belongs to this movie well you know McKenna was a guy who developed the idea of like if if a little psilocybin is good then a whole lot is going to be even better even he, better he authored the idea of um, the heroic dose right um and um, about and now it's being played out. Where now for like PTSD, they're using MDMA, and right. there's a there's movement in the scientific community to to use these psychotropic drugs to uh, uh, help people and right. not just you know, in a completely different way than there was experimentation done in the '60s with these substances. Yeah, it was it it's more about, you know, in the 60s it was they talked a lot about like, you know, tune in, drop out or drop in, drop well, out. Well, I'm, I'm I'm thinking about even the the military experiments where oh, right. we're, we're, uh, we're trying to see if soldiers, Operation what's it? Operation Paperclip something. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Where they gave these guys instead of giving them like what we would call a hit of acid, they were giving them heroic doses, doses of acid. Of acid. Um, I I I guess to see if they could like well, that's the military mindset, right? Tap it's like let's, if a little, let's try. Yeah. I'm sure they work their way through the lower doses, and they always end up there. Um, well, I used to do mili- uh, for the military sleep deprivation studies, mm-hmm. where we would keep people awake for like a hundred right. hours. And there was a time when I was like, uh, "This can't be good for yeah, anybody." This is, this is like this is torture. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I even asked the uh, the study coordinator, "I go, who are you testing them or my willingness to do what you right. whatever you have to say." 
and he just laughed and didn't say anything. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, let's see. Next up, um, this thing kind of kind of concerns me. Den of Thieves with Gerard Butler, who was just in the not popular Geostorm. Right. Um, but this looks like like gun porn to me. Uh, out, of, out of all the trailers this week, this is the one that I cared the least about. Like, I really just don't, I don't give a It reminded about. me of that movie that came out a couple of years ago where about they were they were robbing a, uh, uh, a armored car. And, and in this, we've got Gerard Butler, who's a cop who doesn't play by the rules. Right. And Sits on the edge of the desk instead of the chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just this, gen- this collision of cliches. Yeah, that I just... I, I just it just looks awful to me. And then finally, a prayer before dawn about a guy who I guess has some fight background mm-hmm. is has something wrong with him and realizes that he ha- like something that if you fight again it's gonna you're gonna die. Right. And he has nothing left, and he goes to Thailand. And this looks he, great. It looks great. I can't. I yeah. I'm all. I'm all over this. this and not just because it's a fight thing. It. it but it looked. Well shot. It yeah. looked well put together. Um, it looks like it's asking important questions. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. I'm, and what do you do I'm to someone who like? What do you do to the with the fighter or the sports hero who has now gotten to a point where he's past his prime, mm-hmm. and now it's it kind of it just occurs to me it kind of tills the same ground that the wrestler did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Feels yeah. kind of Very, like that. Yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. do you do when you're past your prime? What do you do when there's you have nowhere else to go except forward? Yeah. But forward means that you run the risk of dying. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Interesting, and it looked really great. Uh, have you seen anything this week you want to talk about? Um, she makes comics. Um, yeah, she makes comics. I did. A, yeah, I did hear about this. Yeah, yes, it's yes, a documentary. Yes. It's currently on Netflix streaming, um, and it's about women in the comics world, and. Uh, uh, it's really good. It's really good. Um, there's a lot of information there that I wasn't aware of, um, and uh, I, I have to imagine, uh, as a, a, a young girl aspiring to be an artist of any type, mm-hmm. that it's hugely inspirational. Um, it, yeah. it speaks to the fact that uh, women have always been involved in comics, but there have been periods where um, that wasn't readily apparent. Yeah. And uh, it, it isn't the same ground we kind of plumb with this Masterson and the Wonder Woman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How yeah, influential yeah. they were. Exactly. That, yeah. How important um, women were to um, all the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, but it, as a, whether you're into women's liberation or whatever you want to call it uh, or not, it's a fascinating examination of the comics industry in, hmm. in general. Do they talk? Does it talk about, at all about the Japanese comics industry? It does. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, in 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 the the aspect of once manga became mm-hmm. popular in the United States, how th- that in, at least initially the, the the audience for that was almost all girls mm-hmm. and uh and and it became huge right. and uh and that they weren't they weren't expecting that well to this day i want to say that still the yaoi the mm-hmm. yoi phenomenon yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a it's essentially gay love affairs mm-hmm. in comics mm-hmm. um is mostly drawn by women yeah and the audience is mostly women yeah so yeah that's cool anything else uh no Right on you because you were busy with building. Uh, yeah, I was, I was 
Not a lot to talk about. Uh, I already mentioned For No Good Reason, which was sort of the high point of this. I rewatched Jacques Tati's Mr. Hulot's Holiday. Uh, it's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is great. Um, I watched a French movie called Evolution. Um, I have no idea what it's about. Something about a seaside village where it's all women. And they I, have I do love that movie. I, I, it's beautiful, right? I, you watched it. I, too, don't know exactly 100% what's going on. Yeah. But that makes me want to watch it again. Yeah, it's very confusing about what is exactly happening, but man, it it's is gorgeous. pretty. Yeah, it's gorgeous, and uh, Lovecraft people like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I, and I can a lot see of the same why. Ground. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then I rewatched uh, this dopey little martial arts movie called High Kick Girl. That High kick girl. It's pretty silly and it's pretty pedestrian as far does as she indeed go. kick high. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Um, but the thing that's really interesting about this film is, and it's one of the marketing things, is is no punches are pulled. Mm. So there's people a, are getting hit. People are really getting hit, and there's a there's a scene um, that's in the trailer of her talking to a guy who's probably a foot and a half taller than him. Mm-hmm. And he talks. He's talking to her about whatever. It's a challenge situation, and she snaps a, a, a taekwondo kick up and hits him along the side of the jaw, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Isn't um, it fun whenever uh, a technique becomes the yeah the 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 exploitive element? Yeah, 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 like, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's you know, and these days they 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 pull from so much. But this it would be like. Eye gouge guy, <laughs> <laughs> but this was cool because as you go through it, she, there's a lot. There's a there's a one on one fight between her and another girl that is that is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a film goes, whatever. I also rewatched Satanic Rites of Dracula and I was surprised at it not aging very well. Um, very dated. I've I've found that to be true of a lot of. Um, in particular, the Dracula movies from Hammer. Yeah, a lot of the Hammer films do okay because they, they're they're stuck solidly in that gothic mm-hmm. thing. I, I, I always had a complaint with Hammer films. I and don't get me wrong, I love Hammer films. Sure, love Hammer films, but I always it always bothered me that there were always these castles and these all these places were so brightly lit. Yeah. And that bothered me, and I, and I know why that is. It's because a lot of those folks were coming from television, mm-hmm. and you had to uh, light everything that way. Um, it was the it's the case with uh, uh, a movie that is either great or horrible, depending on what you're watching it for and who you are. Mm-hmm. Jack the Giant Killer. Jack the Giant Killer was uh, a was the studio's attempt to. Um, uh, capitalize on the six, on the surprise success of the seventh voyage of Sinbad. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And when you look, and when you look in the castle scenes, and there's like witches and shit, and it's just like, it's like the set of like the Ellen Show. It's just, it's like it's so brightly lit. It's like this looks ridiculous. It's like yeah. the costumes look dumb because you're blaring them out with lights and yeah, 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 yeah and yeah. Uh, it's a by the way, a whole podcast could be done on that show because on that El- movie, Ellen? no, no on, Jack on, the Giant on Jack the Giant Killer. Oh yeah, it, yeah. It had such a weird evolution of how it developed and what it became. Like at one, at, so 
before it came out, like, somebody decided it needs to be a musical. Well, it wasn't shot as a musical. Mm. So what do they do? They, they make up these songs, and they speed up or slow down the film <laughs> of dialogue scenes to try to make people match the song. Sure. Oh, my God. And sure. So, like, like, you know, there'll be a fountain in the background running, and it's like... <laughs> it's Water like, slowing it's, down. It's slowing down, and then it's fast, and then it's like way too fast. Well, I always bristled with a lot of what the Hammer and Amicus both did with... Um, like, they thought it was a good idea to... Like, well, let's, like, Dracula in 1972 oh, AD yeah. or whatever. they like, let's, let's modernize him. Let's, uh, let's not. Yeah. <laughs> I hated the groovy Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for groovy Dracula. <laughs> it bothered me. I did like the design. I like the mustache. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. But I, it just seemed weird where now he's walking into, like, go-go clubs. It's and so, it's... Uh, it, uh, I want to say, didn't, didn't that happen with Dracula has risen from the grave? Yes, as well? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was, there, uh, there's, a, there's a series of books that I like by Philip Jose Farmer. Oh, yeah. Called the, the World of Tears series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as long as it stays in that world, it's they're 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 awesome. Uh-huh. And then there's one called Behind the the Walls of Terror. I think where he the, like they come to Earth in contemporary times, which at Uh-oh. the time was like 1973, <laughs> and it's like. Everything's so groovy and and it's so. Which I would awful. love something like that just for the score. The, <laughs> well, the film yeah, score would be awesome. Sure. But yeah, it, it 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 unintentionally becomes a comedy. Yeah, yeah. And I think that would be that's kind of what Tim Burton was kind of doing with Dark Shadows. Sure. But how awesome would it be if someone that did it and it was, it was actually funny? Right, right, yeah. Uh, brings up. Um, Two things. One, Dracula Dead and Loving It, the Mel Brooks thing, sure. and also uh, Love at First Bite. Yeah. Which I still get. It. Um, that's a great movie. It's a fun Are you reading anything good? And we'll move on, get out of here. Say a couple things about records and books and get uh, out of here. I am. I, oh, I'm, I'm rereading um, I Am Legend for the nice. millionth time. Well, that's always a good that's one. That's my favorite book of that's all time. That's always a good one. It's not even a book, really. It's a novella. But yeah. It, uh, uh, sure but feels the, like but, a book. But the, well, but the, you know, it's packaged with all these short stories. Oh, sh- oh cool. And Prey is in there. Oh, cool. Um, Dance of the Dead is in there. Right on. You, you know, and, and it's all, it's all, you know, Richard Matheson is the shit. And, yeah. and that's all that can be said about it. Right. Um, I'm reading through, back in the 80s, a guy named Dan Sweeten and Dave Lupre had a series of comics called Beautiful Stories for Ugly Children. Mm-hmm. First episode was about a, a group of clowns who get into a convertible a la Fear and Loathing, and they take off across the desert. It's called Cotton, Cotton Candy Autopsy. Um, it's really, but this is comics, but it's not panel comics. It's more like here's a page of text and here's an illustration. Right, right. And it's, all of them are really, really dark and really twisted. Mm. Um, they did a one-shot called The Wasteland, which was kind of like uh, far side one-panel c- cartoons. Sure. Um, one that comes to mind is a picture of something vaguely cow-like streaking across the sky. And uh, the caption is, Hey, diddle, diddle, the cat in the... Ki- the cow jumped over the moon and immediately burnt up on re-entry. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. Right, right, right. Um, mime vivisection. Sure. You know, um, very dark and very funny and, and highly recommended. Uh, what else? Anything you're listening to? I got a couple things and then we'll... Um, 
No, not really. I, I, I haven't had time to listen to anything new. I've been working on some stuff, on some stories uh, pertaining to a uh, demonic sex cult. Nice! Um, so I, I'm hoping that, that something comes of that. Right on. Working with a friend of ours. Right on. Uh, let's see. I got four things. Number one, John Carpenter has come out with an anthology. Right. And it's great. It's it's like the Lost Themes records. Yeah. But this is more straight up like, here's something from Big Trouble in Little China. Here's something that I did for this and right. that and the other thing. I, somebody I know just recently went and saw the concert. Yeah. And... I was really excited that the opening act was Perturbator, who, oh, wow. who I've been listening to for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. It's yeah. funny that you say that because when you said when I asked what you were listening to, I was like, gonna, gonna say more Perturbator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It looks great. And, I, and as, I said, as I said, these days I'm much more interested in John Carpenter as a musician than I am as with him as sure. a filmmaker. Absolutely. Uh, Bootsy Collins has a new record out called Worldwide Funk. Yeah. Um, Buckethead is on it, and a bunch Every, of people. Everybody's on it, on it. and it's yeah. it's it's Bootsy baby, mm-hmm. and it's great. It's Bootsy baby. <laughs> uh, I listened to a soundtrack of a movie coming out. It's called El Secreto de Marabone. It may be released in America as just Marabone, mm-hmm. from the producers of The Orphanage. Uh-huh. Um, scores by a guy Fernando Velasquez, and it's really good. Okay, it's along that same orphanage line. Right, right. And then finally, the great Arthur Barrow. You have something before I go on? I well, I, I go ahead, and then I'll add. My okay, Arthur Barrow. Who, if you don't know who Arthur Barrow is, Arthur was a bass player and a musician that played with uh, Zappa for years. He has a new record out called On Time, and it's it's its own thing. But you can tell this guy cut his teeth. Being around Zappa, sure. Um, I'm dying to get a member of Zappa's band on here, whether it be Arthur Barrow or Ike Willis. I think a show on Zappa, while it doesn't have anything to do with, with music, or music, it does have our movies and stuff like that. It does address our interest in creation and creative right. process. Absolutely. So I think uh, we're going to try to do that. The the reason why I kind of perked up is I I rediscovered something that I had lost. Mm. And that is this little community radio station in Southern Illinois. Oh yeah, you um, mentioned this. And they're, uh, you know, and and they're the type of station that, like, you know, if you go two miles out of town, you can't hear them anymore. Right. They, in my experience, best radio station I've ever. And I've are they heard. streaming this stuff now? They or? are. They're That's streaming it online, so you can go to, um, you can just look up WDBX, and they have some of the coolest shows. Um, I don't. I, when I was listening to them, they had a uh, they had a show called Cosmic Debris, <coughs> yeah. and it was it, of course there was a lot of Zappa, but it was all but it was a lot of related stuff. So you mm-hmm. had Captain Beefheart and, oh, and sure. stuff like that, and uh, it was some of my first exposure to some some of the music that I love now. Mm-hmm. In particular, I'm a big fan and have been since 2000, but I, I've been gone, so I haven't heard. But they have a show that's still going on called The Big Mix. And uh, that's where I first was introduced to um, Psychobilly. Oh, cool. And uh, a lot of surf and garage stuff. And uh, I, I highly recommend people check it out. Um, it's I, I don't know the website off the top of my head, but just look for WDBX. And uh, they'll have a streaming site that you can go to. And you can check out all their shows. It's amazing. That's very it's cool. It's great. It's this. It's it's kept alive by the community 
It's um, and there's all kinds of stuff. Like if you like reggae, there's reggae show. There's a reggae it reminds show. me of um, back in California. There's a radio station in Los Altos called KFJC that used to do that. They have a great show that you, I'm sure you can find called the Norman Bates Memorial Soundtrack oh, Show. Oh, nice. And they would play amazing stuff. Also, if you go on. Um, uh, Live 365, which I don't know if anyone does anymore. Jimmy Acuna has a show on there called Fistful of Soundtracks. Man, and that's I some love great Fistful of stuff. Soundtracks. Yeah, that is some I great is stuff. Is that a thing anymore? I don't know. I don't know either. I, don't know. I can't imagine yeah. that he's. I mean, he may still be doing it, but I just remember. I used to go on there all the time and find the the cool time. shit. All and the then time. I always hated it because the shows that I loved the most would be they'd become popular and then. After a certain level, like then you had to pay for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like fuck. And it's one of those things where I don't mind paying for stuff, but you know, you end up. Well, I did at the time because I had no money. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But it's 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 the way people can. I mean, it's way it's the way I I hear about stuff all the time. Right. Um, it's that uh, what's his name, um, Luciano Onetti. I hear someone talk about it, and it's my due diligence. To go look it to up go and, and then check decide: it out. Is, yeah. is this something for me or is it not? For yeah, me? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because so often I think they they tied shred something about how our musical tastes are solidified in our teens and our early twenties, and I don't like that. I don't want to. No. I don't want us to come to that. I don't think that that's. I I I don't think. I think that that's the easy way out. I think that we're lazy when we decide that, mm -hmm. and I think that people can't do kind of do that. But I, I don't think it's true. I think that if you if you continue paying attention, mm -hmm. you'll find all kinds of stuff that you never even knew Hopefully. that you liked. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, my friend uh, DJ, um, now I can't remember his name, Mix 50? Mm. DJ, DJ Fact 50. Okay. Um, uh, Josh from uh, Vernian Process. His channel on Mixcloud. Okay, yeah, Soundcloud, Mixcloud. Yeah, yeah. Um, is for me is amazing because he'll put together these these themed shows mm -hmm. and it's like two hours of music and it might and the subjects vary greatly. It might be like you know um, one of my favorites is Lonesome Highway, sure. and and it and I discover all these people from listening to it. And I'm just like, what is that one? Mm -hmm. You know, I recognize that one, but what the fuck was that? Well, I I make myself I I now I years ago I signed on to this Rhapsody yeah, streaming yeah, yeah. service and it's now a Napster thing. But for years, because of my years at Tower, um, every Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I go through every single even if I know I'm not going to like it. Like I just listened to the new Ariana Grande. Um, anyway, um, but I force myself to listen to stuff that I know won't normally because you never know. Right. You never know the one thing that you think is going to be like, oh, this is some bullshit country album, and then all of a sudden it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it, it is, but it's really, really good. I was listening to Lean Lovich on the way here. Lean Lovich is great. Yeah. I saw... This is old guy talk. <laughs> I saw her in... Jesus, it must have been 79 or 80 at the Mabuhay Gardens uh, in San Francisco. Dude. And everyone fucking hated her. They were just like, what is this nonsense? And she was so gloriously weird. Um, yeah, good stuff. That's cool. I yeah. See, that for me, that's one of those fabled places. Mabuhay? Yeah, yeah, yeah I wish I had, I had gone to. Yeah, we used to go to there a lot. Keystone, Palo Alto. I saw missing persons at... Keystone, San Francisco, yeah. and it was in this little tiny club 
at the foot of Broadway in San Francisco where it was nothing but strip clubs all around you. Um, one of those two drink minimums. Yeah. And then you go in and the drinks are like 20 bucks. My buoy was, was, was like a regular place for... Uh, like Black Flag, yeah. and Social Distortion. Yeah, there was a lot of the punk shows Circle there. Circle Jerks. And yeah, all those I cats. saw. That was the first place I saw a guy unbidden pop a safety pin through his cheek, and I went, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It was great stuff, though. But yeah, she's great. And again, it's it's one of those things where you never. I the Michelle Benita guy. I just found. Um, uh, never would have found him if it wasn't for sure. doing this stuff. Anyway, um, that's our show. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Thanks again to the Shiflet Brothers. Those guys were awesome. Fucking awesome. Next week, we've got uh, a friend of yours. Yeah, uh, John Ikuma, the publisher of Stop Motion Magazine, who I I, I guess kind of worked for for a while. Right I, on. I wrote articles for the magazine. Uh, and we'll catch up with him and what's going on in right his on. life. Talk we'll, some stop motion. We'll talk some stop motion. We'll talk about um, independent publishing. Nice. Um, and uh, where that whole world is now. Yeah, it's because it's very different. It's different, especially yeah. if it's different from when I was doing yeah, it yeah, in yeah. the '90s. So that sounds so old. <laughs> All right. But so for the Bonus Material Podcast, we'll see you next week. Uh, I'm Tom Carnell, and I'm Langley West. Stay scary.